Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. NFL Week 8 preview, giant slate. Fun fact about the slate before we get into it, no buys. Every team in action this weekend. We're going to talk about it all tonight. Blaine and Johnny join me as always. Want to give a quick shout out to the boys for carrying the boats on Monday's recap show. Had to do some work. Was unfortunately unable to be on the podcast, but what a dialed podcast by you two. Just hit the points. Nice flow. God, that was a sweet Chiefs win. I didn't really get to give my thoughts on the game. I seriously, guys, real quick, I thought it was just a beating pillar to post, man. You know, the, the Chargers... I always talk, especially on this show, about the scripted plays. The Chargers look good through the scripted plays of the por- scripted plays portion of Sunday's game. But when it came down to having to make adjustments at halftime, they flat out could not do it. Chiefs defense is awesome. I tweeted this today. I want to give another shout-out to our safeties, Brian Cook, Justin Reed, and Mike Edwards, seemingly just always making big plays. You know, Brian Cook got burnt on that one deep ball, but – that's a tough spot to be in in terms of getting burnt, and he still made the tackle. I know they went on to score in that, but that just says a lot about the kid. me. Um, I love this team, and they rock, man. But this is all about NFL Week 8. The Chiefs have the Broncos. We're going to talk about all of them. Let's hear from the boys first, though. Johnny, we'll start with you. Good to have you back. Appreciate you hosting the pod Monday evening. What's up, brother? Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um Blaine, real quick, he just brought that up. We didn't talk about this. You had an end zone seat on that deep ball, too. Uh, that uh, I think it was Palmer, right? Yes. It was Palmer. Yep. <clears throat> when Cook got turned around, it looked like Palmer had like a straight shot at the end zone and he like ran Stopped. into yeah. like contact. What the hell was that? He, I think he was getting caught. I really do. But okay. it was, I, I in the moment, I definitely thought the same thing. There was a play later, too, closer to me um, before the. Two minute warning, I believe it was. All right, there. I think it was two minute warning, where he caught the ball and then ran directly to the sideline to get out of bounds. But it was go- already going to be the two minute warning. So like he 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 was trying to stop the clock, but the clock was already going to stop when he was going to be down. And so, see, this is the stuff I'm talking about. Whenever we're like, you know, see, like people from their couch shouldn't be commenting on football. Okay, but let's have some common sense and just know. The situation. Anyways, tangent over. Big slate this week. Happy to be here. And, um, yeah, the Chiefs are the best team in football, Chandler. Yeah, they are. (laughs) Blaine, what's up, brother? What's up? I don't have a whole lot to say. I'm ready to get into the slate, full slate. Whoa. Yeah, okay. So so for some context in the NFL Week 8, Blaine and I have really kind of been tiffing all day. No. I've got a feeling that there's going to be some tiffs on this podcast. A lot of it has to do with college football. Um, his intro there, that was suspect. Okay. Okay. Well, if you want me to say I'm hot, like I just, I just seared a steak on my cast iron and I was as hot as my cast iron all week seven. I want about half a grand on MGM, on MGM resorts app over the weekend. So if you're waiting for some NFL picks, I think I got them this week because right when you get into thick of this week, six through week 10 or so, you start to learn a lot about teams that's when I get comfortable, and that's when I'm about to – if you're tiffing with me, that means you're wrong. That's how I want to feel. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I am going to start using it. half a grand. That sounds like so much money. Yeah. I Half a grand? 
I would love half a grand right now. It's, it's awesome. like on TV when Nick Wright says half a decade. That sounds like so long. <laughs> uh, Blaine, good to hear you are on a hot streak, though. I think that's, um, you know, does that reflect on the show? We need to maybe compile our our picks standings and maybe give an update in week nine. We'll talk about that off air though. Cause I'm, I'm yeah. curious. Well, just last week, Pat's so I wasn't over the money line, but I was over them definitely covering um, pretty heavy bears chiefs winning by two touchdowns or more than a touchdown. Just, I, I kind of picked a few holes and parlayed them together and it, it worked out with good odds. Love it. Let's do our week seven overreactions. As Blaine alluded to, kind of getting more and more difficult to really overreact, I think. So maybe we should start morphing this segment into week seven opinions of teams, if that makes any difference whatsoever. But I think you get my point. Um, I think I need to go last. I think the last few weeks I've gone in the middle and first. So let's start with Johnny tonight. We'll go Johnny, Blaine, myself for the week seven overreaction. Johnny? I uh, I love that I'm starting on this one. Um, I don't think the first part of this is an overreaction, but I think overall this like sounds a little out there, but it, it really could happen. Uh, my overreaction is that Brandon Staley will be fired after the season, right? That Kellen Moore will take over as the interim. Hold on, let me say that again. Brandon Staley will, Staley will be fired during the season. Kellen Moore will be the interim, and then he will be fired after the season. I think that the Chargers will do a full organizational coaching rehire after this year to try to change things up because they have given this large contract to Justin Herbert. I could see some other players being out of the fold. Um, but if you look at the numbers for Brandon Staley, listen to this, guys. I mean, and and by the way, this I hope he sticks around forever. I hope they give him a 10-year contract, right? Because uh, he, he's just a joke. Um, but the Chargers defense the last three years under Staley, sta you know, defensive mind coming from uh, the McVay system, they have given up 25 points per game over the last three years. That ranks 30th. They have given up 361 yards per game, 28th. 135 rushing yards per game, 30th. And their third down percentage, they allow third downs to be converted 43% of the time, 29th. Those, in all those categories, they're in the bottom four in the league. And that's from a defensive mind. Another thing, too, J.C. Jackson was traded away. He's been on the Patriots for three games, and he's just, like, gone back to old J.C. Jackson. First game against New Orleans, he allowed one catch on two targets for 13 yards. Some good receivers in New Orleans. Uh, against Vegas, he played 96% of the snaps. So two games in for the Patriots, middle of the season, he plays 96% of the snaps. Keep in mind, he was a healthy scratch for the Chargers multiple times. Against the Raiders, the majority of the time, he was on Devontae Adams. Uh, and total in the game, uh, J.C. Jackson allowed two catches on seven targets for 27 yards against the Raiders. And then against Buffalo this last week, he was the most targeted corner, gave up three catches on nine targets for 36 yards and broke up a pass in the end zone to save a touchdown. That, to me, shows that Staley's an ass. This, guy, th this, this guy's a mess out there. And so overreaction, he's getting fired during the year. Kellen Moore takes over. It's not good with Kellen Moore either because the Chargers didn't score any points in the second half against the Chiefs. They had, they've had they had multiple halves without scoring this year. They've been uh, 
and they were underwhelming against the Kellen Moore, you know, revenge game against the, the Cowboys. There you go. I love it. Blaine? Yeah, I think um, the Baltimore Ravens are legit Super Bowl contenders. And that's, you know, something earlier in the season I did not portray myself say, saying um, at week eight in this podcast. Lamar Jackson's throwing the football better than he's thrown the football in his career. 357 yards, three touchdowns against the red-hot Detroit Lions. Now, I know there were some injury situations in that game, but the Ravens' ability to, in a big game, at home, absolutely dominate one of the best teams in football showed me a lot about this football team. And like, like I was saying earlier in the year, I wouldn't have said it, you know, that went uh, toe-to-toe with the Steelers and some of these teams early on that you're just like, man, when are the Ravens going to get going? They finally popped the top off their offense against a good defense in the Lions that's shown this year. Um, maybe that's more so on the Lions than it is the Ravens, but if Lamar Jackson's doing his thing and throwing the football the way he did last week, they're a problem. They're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, it's a really good point. And they're a team that just has an identity. We talk about it every single week, it seems like, with a couple of teams. And they just have their identity, and they they know what they're going to do. Lamar seems to be kind of getting comfortable as well. So I think that's a huge, huge benefit for them. They are scary. Um, I'm going to stay in that division. And I've been sitting here trying to think of what I was going to say for this week. And I'm going to... I'm going to try and get the spirit going because it's really kind of turning my favor, guys. I'm not kidding you, but this Pittsburgh Steelers team, big win in L.A., awesome win. We talked about it last week, how this was a tough game for the Steelers have to go out there, but we knew that there were going to be a lot of terrible towels in the stands. It was clear and, and evident that that played a big factor in it, and the Steelers went out there and got a big win. It's good to see George Pickens get, the, get a little bit more involved week in and week out. I think he needs to be more targeted. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense to me why they they it doesn't seem like he's getting enough targets in my opinion. I would throw it to him every damn time. I mean, you might as well. And so pick it four and two Steelers. They're at home this week against the Jaguars. We'll talk about that. I've already made my words loud and clear about how I feel about this team. And my Giants aren't looking so good. So I've got to ride the Steelers really kind of hard. Uh, no pun intended there. For the duration of this season, I need them to potentially make some noise down the stretch. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're in a good spot. My week seven opinion, or we should really change it to week seven statement or week seven statement of the week (laughs) is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're real. Hey, Chandler, can I make another statement? Yeah. Because I know Blaine usually gets his second one in here. I got to get one more. Um. So it came out today, right, that Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol. We've seen oh. it's pretty pr- pretty tough to get back for this week. Their backup, Sam Darnold. Yikes. Um, Is I'm just going to say it. Is I'm it just, yikes? Well, you'd think that he would get in. I mean, if if he was really that good, maybe he would be in there over Purdy. But I'm, I'm just going to say this. You know, I'm just going to make a statement. I'm getting a little excited about my preseason 49ers missed the playoffs thing just on the back door here. Hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. They lost two in a row, five and two. They got Cincinnati at home this week. Just say they lose that game or five and three. Then they got the bye. San Francisco comes out of the bye and goes to Jacksonville across the country at noon. Ew. That's not a good spot for San Francisco. Okay. Just say they lose that game five and four. They come home to play Tampa. They're going to win that game six and four. Then they go to Seattle on a Thursday. 
tough. Say they lose that game, they're six and five. Then they get a long rest, but then they go to Philly. Six and six. Then they come home. They lose to Philly. Six and six. They come home, play Seattle. Say they get that one. But Seattle, Seattle plays San Francisco tough. Say they win that game seven and six. Then they go to Arizona, eight and six. Then they got Baltimore at home on Monday night. Eight and six. Maybe they're eight and seven if they lose that game. Then they finish the season at Washington, nine and seven. And then home versus the Rams. 10 and 7, 9 and 8. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's a statement. Could happen. I need it bad. I have a uh, playoff basically predicting the winners. I have the Browns, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and um, Seattle, right? Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. those four as winners for over $2,000 of my preseason. Uh, Come on, let's go. 25 bucks on it. I'm riding it with you, Johnny. Seattle's got to win the division for us both. But Twenty or two thousand dollars. That's <laughs> AKA. That's a fifth of ten grand. Right. That's yeah. That's a ton of money. I, I mean, I would love for it to happen, but man, the Niners. The thing with all those games is that you can you, you can see them winning all of them. They're just really good, man. The 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 three game. So like the next one, two, three, four, five, six. So it'd be the next seven weeks because they have a bye. Right. Just reading this off, this sounds really tough, especially with you know. Purdy's probably going to come back, but I mean, concussion, you know, you never know if it lingers. Home versus Cincinnati, bye. At Jacksonville, home versus Tampa. At Seattle, at Philly, home versus Seattle. That's tough. Yeah, that is really tough. It'll be interesting. That would be a hell of a call by you if they start out that hot and then somehow you end up being right. That'd be really sick. I'll say that. I need one. I need something because it's been bad. Let's get to NFL Week 8, starting with Thursday Night Football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to hell to take on the Buffalo Bills, coming off an embarrassing loss to the New England Patriots. The Bills got grittied on by Mac Jones. This team flat out stinks. I hate this team. You know, it's been kind of flying under the weeds here, but I had the Bills missing the playoffs. Oh, by Oh, by the way. And right now, guys, I think three teams potentially could get in from the AFC North. You've got the winner in the West. You've got the winner in the South. There's some tough – there's some weird, dicey spots here if Buffalo doesn't get it going. And they are not very good right now. Um, They are very dependent, as they've always been, on the deep ball to Stephon Diggs. If that's not there, Josh really seems to struggle with intermediate routes, in my opinion. Sometimes he's on – but if he's off in a game, he's off. And he is he's prone to turnovers. And I don't know that Tampa Bay comes up there and wins this game, but plus eight and a half on the short week, I'll take Tampa Bay all day in this one. That's a lot of points for a team that's sputtering. And if they can't turn it around in four days, I don't love it for the points. Give me Tampa plus eight and a half, boys. Blaine, you go first tonight. Yeah, I've been talking. So one of my I've said this a few times on the pod, but one of my best friends at work is a diehard Bills fan. And I had a conversation with him today to just kind of prepare what he thinks is going into this Thursday night game. They don't have hope. It's like they are scratching the claw at what you just said. Like they want they are shit, we might not make the playoffs. Like we got to get going somewhere sometime. Obviously, this is the right spot for Josh Allen at home on a Thursday night in a big game. They usually play well at home in big games, but the problem that they're really seeing is Sean McDermott, guys, is getting towards hot seat area. Like, it's creeping there. 
Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator, just has not been good. He's kind of a like Johnny, you say this about some people, but like he's kind of a dorky guy. Sean McDermott doesn't really have that like football presence that they just really, really miss Dable. And that's the whole idea is like Bills fans think they missed a chance of making Dable their head coach whenever they had questions about McDermott, then keeping McDermott around and bringing in Dorsey. There's just not leadership that they trust in in that building right now and there's a lot of locker room it seems like shake up especially with Trey White being out their best corner especially with one of the best linebackers in football and Matt Milano being out two 30 year old safeties and they're just not answering the bill Gabe Davis hasn't done his job as a number two their running game hasn't gotten going that they wish their offensive line is not that great at this point in the season and if Josh Allen can't do Josh Allen things as he has in the past two years which he has not shown his ability to do so throughout seven weeks, this Bills team is in question. And you could say the same thing about the Bucs, guys. I, I don't know who they are. They won some big games early, and we predicted them to be bad this year, but they've kind of been better than everybody anticipated. So it's it's kind of more of a who needs this? Who needs this ball game? I think I think the Bills are going to win this football game at home. But Chandler, I, I kind of side with you that eight and a half is a lot of points for this football game. Over under 43 and a half of notes, I think, in this one. Um, I feel like the Bills would be more – their number would be a little bit higher. But maybe – I mean, dude, I'm telling you, they're burning. And they're burning it, quick. It's awesome. Last point about the game is the Bills have scored 10 first-half points in their last three games, just starting slow, usually by a Josh Allen mistake. Johnny? Well said by both of you. I, I I didn't really have a betting lean in this game uh, as in, in terms of the side, but what I do like is the under in this game. At, you know, 43 and a half seems like a lot. Bucks games, the, the under has hit five out of six times in Bucks games this year, um, and the Bucks scored 13 points last week. And, you know, you, you, you definitely can say that the Bills defense, Bucks played the Falcons last week. The Falcons defense is better than the, the Bills defense, but I don't know, like, like by how much. Um, and so uh, with Dawson Knox missing this game, you know, I, I just think that the bills are hobbled a little bit too short week, uh, lack of preparation. I could just see the, 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 the under being the play here. And remember, you guys remember before the year, we, we did talk a lot about Buffalo. Like if they don't get off to a good start, we could really see the wheels fall off this thing. And dude, like we obviously love Nick Wright because he talks about the chiefs, but he has been saying this stuff about the bills for like two years, like two and a half years, kind of like what we're seeing now. It just, it, you guys both played football. It, it just feels weird in Buffalo. It feels off. I thought Cowherd made a really good point today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, he he brought up Herbert and Josh Allen, and he compared them to other very talented uh, quarterbacks. And what those two are lacking is like a rock, a solid foundational coach to lean yeah, on. Exactly. He, he talked about Mahomes with Reed, of course Brady with with Bill Belichick, but even Drew Brees with Sean Payton. Um. It, it, it's it, uh, uh, Pey, uh, Peyton Manning and, and uh, Tony Dungy. It's a very weird dynamic between Sean McDermott and the Bills offensive offensive players. It has not 
uh, been the same since Brian Dable left, and maybe he was that guy for Josh Allen. And so it's just, it just, I think Blaine has something. It feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah, no, that's what I'm trying to say is that they felt like they should have kept Dable around just for that football presence because I don't, which what my buddy was saying is just they almost don't have like the Chiefs have Mahomes. He's a player on the, he's a coach on the field. Travis, a coach on the field. Nick Bolton, a coach on the field. You have guys that buy into the system that the coaches are putting out there and they're replicating that on the field and saying those things. It almost feels like Stefan Diggs definitely doesn't give a fuck what Ken Dorsey is saying. It almost feels like Von Miller is their presence and he's a 35-year-old journeyman who's been to, you know, four different teams that he doesn't he's not going to buy into a system of McDermott, right? Like it just I think the player on the field, yes, along with the coach on the sideline is what you're saying there and I completely agree. The weight, we talked about this too, the th- this is real. There is a heavy weight, a burden of a fan base that has been like heartbroken many times, right? Losers of four straight Super Bowls before we were really, you know, before the three of us were able to pay attention and do a podcast, right? Long time ago. Uh, but then that 13 second game against the Chiefs, um, like destroyed these guys, like the, this fan base. And, you know, with Josh Allen turning into a very good quarterback, it gave these fans hope again, because keep in mind, the reason the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes is because Buffalo traded with the Chiefs from 27 to 10. Now, with that 27th pick, they drafted Tredavious White, but they would sure rather have Patrick Mahomes, I think, in hindsight. So there is a weight from this fan base that is also on top of this building that seems to be teetering right now. And it does feel like McDermott is not the guy to kind of get that 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 thing fixed. And so great point about McDermott being uh, uh, potentially or whatever you said on the hot seat. I think he is definitely on the hot seat. I have no real lean for the side. Like I said, I do love the under. If I have to pick something, I'll have some fun. And I'll take the bucks plus eight and a half. Let's get to Sunday. The New Orleans Saints travel to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Pair of dome teams. Weird games for both of these teams last week. The Colts come up a point short to um shoot to the Browns. Cleveland. And yep. the Saints have a chance to tie it. And Derek Carr, for as bad as he played, are on the goal line with a chance to at least send the game into overtime. You would assume. Foster Moreau right through the wickets. A pair of three and four teams. This is a pick on the Barstool Sportsbook for the betting people out there. God. I mean, I feel like when you look at this game, which team do you know more? I feel like you know who the Colts are more than the Saints. I think that plays a huge factor into this. But the Saints seem to be a team that are like the garbage time team where they're like, they might be down by 21 points and the other team kind of like lets their foot off the gas. And then here come the saints roaring back, but then they just can't do enough with the time they have left. And for, and for that reason, weird things happen in Indy back to back over unders of 43 and a half here to start the pod. I like the Colts. I think I've got a straight pick them. So I'm just going to take the Colts here. The home team, I do hope that Kamara goes off, but the Colts defense kind of stingy, and I don't know what the Saints are, Johnny. I really don't, so I'm going Colts. The Saints stink. 
Guys, come come on. And 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 the Saints stink because Derek Carr stinks. And there is you'd be hard pressed. We said this too earlier. We say a lot of great stuff on, on this show. We said this in the offseason. Derek Carr and the city of uh New Orleans go together like gasoline and peanut butter and jelly. Like it's it does not go together. Like peanut butter and ham. That does not go together. Derek Carr is a what the frick guy, and he does not belong in a city that gets drunk on Tuesday afternoons. You know, and we said the same thing about Las Vegas. Like he didn't work in Las Vegas when that team was moving. Not not at all. 35 of 55 for 301, one touchdown, one interception, and every pass from Derek Carr, you know, is a check down. It seems like, or it's too, you know, like I completely agree with that, right? Like it is infuriating that he checks the ball down before Olave or Michael Thomas really get to the stem of their route before they're really making their move. If they're running a post or if they're running a deep over or or whatever it is, he's already looking down at the shallow cross. He's already looking down at Alvin Kamara in the flat. Like it's, it's, it, it is the exact same guy that was playing for the Raiders for all those years that drove that fan base crazy. Seven weeks into the season, on a Thursday night in prime time, the New Orleans Saints fans were booing Derek Carr in the first half. This 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 guy. Is, I, I wanted to say this uh, about the Bucks uh, last game too. You guys know the the uh, Dennis Green, right? I think the late Dennis Green, the coach who said. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Derek Carr is who we thought he was. The Buccaneers before, they are who we thought they were. Stink. Derek Carr stinks. Like, no part of me wants to bet on Derek Carr. And I'll say this. He's not much of a winner, but Gardner Minshew like always plays in fun, wild games and Derek Carr is not fun, nor is he wild. So I am all over the Colts in this spot. Shout out to figure it out. Correspondent Reed. Give me the Colts. Well said. I'm going to go just opposite for just weird reason. I, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I think that the Colts played out of their minds last week, offensively against a phenomenal Browns defense. It just shocked me how that game went over. But it did, and the Colts are just averaging a league-high combined points per game. Like, the over, they're hitting overs. They're going to hit an over. In this game, they're going to hit an over again. But who has the better defense? And what I would say, yes, Derek Carr, check down God. That's one of the notes I had, Johnny. Derek Carr just can't throw the ball down the field. But with Kamara and some of these things they got going late in that second half last week, I feel like there is something to be seen here with the New Orleans' offense. I think they can get going against a bad Colts defense, and I think New Orleans' defense is the best unit on the field if you were talking about all four sides of each team's uh, of this football game. So Dennis Allen, again, two guys, he's a hot seat. We're talking about Sean McDermott. Dennis Allen is definitely a hot seat guy. they got to win this football game. Overall, I just my point is, I think the Saints are a better team than the Colts are. We're looking at a, you know, Browns, Colts, AFC game last week in Indianapolis where weird things happened with a backup quarterback. You get the Saints here who are the better team with a, you know, I know Derek Carr stinks, but with an offense that they know what they're getting. And I think the Saints are going to be able to put a game plan together on both sides of the football to beat the Colts. And 
I, I just think the Saints are going to win this football game in a weird way, guys. Ew. I just totally disagree with everything Blaine just said. Maybe like the Colts even more. Well, there is a there is a piece of that though with gambling that everything that makes complete sense bet the other thing. Yeah, like it happens all the time. I, I just guys, I think the Saints if the Saints can score efficiently, they're not going to be beat, especially against Gardner Minshew. I, I just don't see it. There's one more thing I wanted to say about. So that Derek Carr uh, issue, you guys watched the game. You remember that play where Derek Carr was like screaming at Chris Olave because Olave like gave up on the route. Yeah. Um, and it, it it did look like he he did. Um, I, I'm going to read this formerly Twitter, now X exchange. Um, so Nick Underhill, is, he covers uh, the Saints he has for years. He's very reliable. Um, I'm just going to read it. He said, Olave said after the game he'd take the blame on that play, and no question he should be running that all out. But that pass was never supposed to go to him, and he's not even in the progression. Keep in mind, like, yes, Olave did stop on the route, but Carr threw the ball into the fifth row of the of the stands to it. Like, wasn't even fucking close. Yeah. Okay, so that Nick Underhill tweet. Uh, Michael Thomas at can't guard Mike, not verified, but if you go to his page, he has hundreds of thousands of followers. It's Michael Thomas. He responded to Nick Underhill and said, exactly, his job is only to collision outside shoulder of defender. He is never the throw, not even an alert. Only advice I would give him is to take the ball and no Taysom runs fast, so he has to run even faster to clear it out. But the progression is 7 13 Eyes only went to seven. So basically what he's saying is Derek Carr's not supposed to throw him the ball. They it, they never practice it with him throwing him the ball. And Derek Carr was looking for somebody to place the blame on that play because it stinks. Yep, he stinks. Which also, speaking of Chris Olave, um, potentially up in the air for this game. I mean, he was arrested just yesterday, right? And did you see that video? And an all-time <laughs> embarrassing moment, Chan. <laughs> He'll be fine. Did you guys listen to it? Yeah, it's not good. What an idiot. He 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 gets out of the car and he's like, man, you really have to arrest me. And he, they're walking around and he's like, I play for the Saints. And the cop goes, and? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's that so cop, awkward. God, yeah, out. God, athletes are stupid. I mean, what are you doing, son? What are you doing? 70 and a 35. Seven in a 35. It's just not like go, he was going 90 in a 65. It, Shout out Akon. Going, going to, to CVS. To CVS. Like, just walking down the left lane on fucking two lane red CVS. drive oh, like yeah. a civilian. Just. <laughs> anyway. Chandler, it's like going 70 on Glenstone in Springfield. Literally. Like, watch out. Yeah. Yeah. And people are just dumb, I guess. I don't know. I don't get it. NFC East battle. The Philadelphia Eagles go to Washington to take on the Commanders. This feels like a really awesome spot for the Eagles, coming off a really big win on Sunday Night Football where they had a, I thought, a pretty decent, decently impressive performance as well. I, I hate to say that about Philadelphia, but, man, there's just something about this team that they know how to win football games. I know the Jets game happened and stuff, and we love making fun of Noodle Arm Hurts because it's true. But it feels like this team is really good at the bounce back. Um, they 
I, in my opinion, they they just out physical the the Dolphins, and the Commanders stink, guys. God, the Commanders stink. I think Sam Howell's been sacked forty times so far through the season. I mean, that's got to be the most in the NFL. Johnny, didn't you say something about that last week? I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, and... it was a battle of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league. I don't have the numbers on me, but it's not good. They're coming off a 14 to 7 loss to the Giants. Back-to-back games in the NFC East. An embarrassing performance at MetLife. I think this is Eagles minus six and a half. Guys, this has to be the first time ever. First three games of the slate over under 43 and a half. That's got to be one of the first times ever. It's the Eagles for me all day, and they win by a touchdown or more for sure. Johnny. One thing that does, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but one thing that does give me some hesitation, and we've seen this, right? We, we, it had been five years since the Chiefs had beaten the Chargers by more than a score. Washington plays Philadelphia well. They almost beat them earlier this year. And so really uh, I'm trying point. to, I'm trying to pull up the, the schedule. I, I can't remember what week that was. Uh, was it, it was one of the first few weeks of the year. But, anyways, there, I mean, at, at at the end of regulation, I'm pretty sure Washington like tied the game and then lost in overtime. Or I think I think that was the game. But um, six and a half at home feels like something that they could cover. But do I want to bet that, Blaine? I, I I'm I'm not sure. I think what I'm going to do though is I'm going to go with that. Like we've seen, I can't remember if it's the Jaguars play the Colts really well or the Colts play the Jaguars really well. Or but you know the, these division matchups especially the second time around are really close. And so fuck it. Give me Washington plus six and a half right here. Could be a bad move, but I think that's, that's what I'm going to take. All right. Yeah. So I was just looking it up one in the last three years, they've all played. These two teams have played each other close once, but the second time the Eagles have won by 10 points um, after the fact. So Commanders play them close. Eagles learn a bit, a little bit about their game plan. Come out the second time we're the dominator in this division. This is the Eagles again here. Hey guys, like we own you. So second time coming around, I think this is where the Eagles make their presence felt. Commanders, yes, they've been playing well earlier in the year. They've been playing worse as it's gone on. They played the game of their life um, against the Eagles earlier in this in the season. I just don't see the Eagles losing this football game. The Commanders, you guys said it. I mean. Eric Bieniemy is starting to really struggle with this bad offensive line. At half last week against the Giants, they had five completions and five sacks allowed. That is not good. Two first downs, seven points. They're one and four in their last five. I just feel like Bieniemy is struggling with the lack of balance on the rushing game. Not going to be able to be there with the good off- with the bad offensive line. He hasn't been able to get Sam Howell comfortable without pressure. They're sixth in pass attempts this season because they've just been able to have to throw the ball a ton because they get down early or they get sacked. They don't have confidence in their running game. What does that lead to? Three and outs. Six in the NFL and three and outs as well. So Hal is back there sitting duck trying to do things. They're throwing the ball on first and second down. Then they see third and long, and they're just not able to convert because they're A, getting sacked a ton, B, one-dimensional, and C, the enemy's just really struggling with a bad offensive line. Johnny, you referenced the first matchup of Commanders-Eagles. This is an absolutely hilarious ending, and I found the recap, and I can see it in my head right now. Okay, so Philadelphia 
excuse me, the commanders drive down with like two seconds left and score a touchdown to Curtis Samuel on like fourth down. It's 31-30, okay? On the road, Ron Rivera elects for the extra point. I am so about go for two there, especially if you're the commanders. What do you have to lose? Beat Philly. You're going to get that two-point conversion. He elected for the PAT. Game goes to overtime. Commanders do nothing on their first. They win the toss, do nothing. Billy goes down, kicks a field goal game. Riverboat did the same thing last week. I don't have the exact situation, but he's just no longer Riverboat Ron. Like, he's not doing that this year. The 14-7 to to the Giants, you lose that football game. You had him on the ropes there. I think they had a red zone trip, and they did something stupid, and it just they're not taking the right chances in close football games this year. Dude, if the Chiefs were if, – if it's Monday Night Football, okay, in a couple weeks, and it's Chiefs-Eagles, and we taught – we score – the the game tying or game potential tying touchdown, and we don't go for two even at home to win the game. I will be irate. It is go for two. Yeah, no, it totally is go for two, and I I would have been so frustrated in that spot too. Um, okay, now that I'm thinking back on this, this is no flop, but I basically went through a whole entire spiel for Blaine to just say, uh, that's wrong. And so now I feel very worried about this game. And I just read uh, Sam Howell, 16% of his dropbacks, 16% end up as an interception, a sack, or a fumble. So that oh. means that, <laughs> that means if you're rounding up, <laughs> two out of 10. So a fifth of the time when he drops back to pass, he's either getting sacked or turning the ball over. Against a Philly front, that that is really scary. But I'm not going to flop. I'll take them plus six and a half. Wow, love it. An NFC North battle. The Minnesota Vikings visit Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay coming off a really bad loss at Denver. Man, they looked really sluggish in that game. Jordan Love just might really really not be it i mean there was some talk there in the beginning of the season guys don't you know i don't think we can forget that but johnny was really all over it the whole time i think i fell for it a little bit maybe blaine i don't know but they're bad in minnesota god um that was not the game i needed for them to have on monday night football um Good win for them. I got to give them credit here in this spot. I really do. I got to swallow my pride a little bit. I, I hated the game. You know, the the Niners still had a chance to win the football game because Kirk couldn't get it done um, on this game ceiling drive. Niners get the ball back. It's 100% the truth. And they're only a one-point favorite in Lambeau. A, a, and a, for a team that has so much promise and best offense ever, and Kirk is so good, I don't buy it. I'm all over Green Bay here. I think Green Bay is going to come back pissed. They could have and should have won this game against Denver at Denver. I thought they let that slip away despite how bad they played, and they still had a chance in the end. I like Green Bay to bounce back here over under 41 and a half. Give me Green Bay plus a point. I love it. Blaine, you can go first, buddy. I can't wait to hear you. Yeah, that's fine. I just don't Uh, know where you're getting this, like – Oh, Vikings offense is the best offense in the league. Like um, you, you say that no, shit 
to make me, me mad you. or whoever Let mad. Me like, you. It's ridiculous. They can't run the football. Kirk Cousins throws the ball for 350-plus every game, and that's their offense. Why is their offense the best? Because Kirk Cousins is good, and you might need to start saying it. Finally, it's been three years now, Chandler. He just beat the best defense in the NFL, no longer regarded as because I he I thought you said up. Cleveland was just a couple minutes ago. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. Dude, you're you're ridiculous. Go. What what do you think about the game? Well, I I just don't know if Green Bay can keep up with it. I mean, they third and long, they see a ton of third and long, 31st in the league in third and long. And Brian Flores, guys, I think that's something I looked at at this game. Yeah, Brock Purdy looked bad. And yes, the 49ers were injured, but I feel like against the Chiefs, the Vikings looked okay. Defense was better. Starting to get better. I think Brian Flores is a real deal, and it's starting to show. Um, and if you give Kirk in, in this offense with those weapons a little bit more help, the Vikings are a better football team than Green Bay. Just simple as that. Can I just say, Kirk, 380, like, can we give him his flowers? It's okay if you don't want to, but the guy's playing phenomenal football this year without his best receiver. Hawkinson and Addison step up big. They still have guys, and the Vikings are still a team in the North that is going to be reckoned with. The Lions didn't look good last week. If the Vikings want to prove, like, hey, we still have a chance to make the playoffs and win this division, this is a game you got to win. And I think they're the better football team. Now, I could see this being close. It's obviously a pick em for a reason, but um, I don't know. I didn't see enough out of Green Bay and haven't so long. Jordan Love looked good early. He's looked bad as of late. Give me the better quarterback. Give me the better D coordinator. Give me Vikings. Doesn't this just feel like a game that, like, like you just said, like I'm going to use your point against you, like the Vikings it's be need to win this game bad. Yeah, and like that feels bad to me. I haven't seen enough out of Jordan Love though to win a game that they need bad. You're going to pick Jordan Love, who's not looked good over the last four weeks. I I can't do it if I'm putting my money down on it. I'm just not doing it. Fair. Blaine's on the Vikings. I'm on the Packers. Johnny, maybe level level heads here. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot to say about this game. This is going to be fun. I'm on the Vikings for sure in this spot, and it's solely because Jordan loves just not it, guys. We, I mean, it's it's bad. His completion percentage on like balls five five yards down the field is really bad. Then you go to eight yards. It's like it, it's 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 not good either, and so. Okay, let's talk about the Brian Flores thing. He obviously is going to blitz regardless of the quarterback. This is a quarterback that's just going to get eaten alive by a Brian Flores defense. Oh, wow. The Brian Flores' defense didn't really have that much success against the Chiefs. Well, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the history of the league against the blitz. Like, it's it's just different. And what you can respect about Flo is that it it's his philosophy. Like, this is, this is what we're built off of, right? So we're going to do this regardless can you beat us? That it's up to you to beat us because we're going to do what we do every single time. It made Purdy very uncomfortable. It's going to make Jordan Love uncomfortable too. And so I like Minnesota in that spot. Let's talk about Kirk. Kirk absolutely balled. He balled out. And with no Justin Jefferson, good point there. Um, it was even that much more impressive. The interception he threw was an unreal play by Charvarius Ward. Like it, that's that's not on Kirk. It was just a great play by Charvarius Ward. And as the mediator of the Kirk discussion between you two, like, and obviously my stance on Kirk is that he'll never win a Super Bowl because he doesn't say the word fuck. He's he, a what the frick guy cannot win the Super Bowl. It's just, it's just fact. Kirk 
now is putting the Vikings in a very interesting position with the way that he's playing. He has been slinging the shit out of the pill this year. Looked very good. Um, There are some people, you know, my favorite person in the world, Colin Cowherd, he made this point and uh, he, he was saying, I completely disagree, that right now is the time that Minnesota should trade Kirk because he's at his highest value, right? Kirk has struggled in those standalone primetime games. That's fact. He did not struggle uh, against the 49ers. He kicked their ass. So his point was to trade him now. I completely disagree because the Vikings are now three and four, and I need this to be right because this was my preseason division winner, the Vikings. I need this to be right. If they win this game against the, the Packers, they're four and four. Just listen to some of the games they have remaining on the schedule. At Atlanta versus New Orleans, at Denver versus Chicago, at Vegas, at Cincinnati. Then they go Detroit, Green Bay, Detroit. Oh. This is a team that could find themselves getting two 10 wins and just like being in competition for the end uh, for the for, for the last teams in the wild card. I would obviously love to see them go on some huge run and win, and win the division to make myself look smarter. But they have a chance here with some games that they can win to squeak into the playoffs in a less competitive um, at the top NFC. And so I think there's no chance they're going to waive his no trade clause that they're going to win this week to get back to 500. And the Vikings are going to be in a good position. I actually really think that I, I, I like what the Vikings um, roster wise philosophy, philosophy wise, starting with that defense kind of are doing even if I do think O'Connell kind of makes some dumbass decisions sometimes. So give me, give me Minnesota here. The Houston Texans go to the Carolina Panthers in a battle of the first and second overall picks in the NFL draft. CJ Stroud, Houston Texans. I like them. I think they're coming off a bye as well. They are. Houston's been really honestly impressive three and three through the first six. I think if you said, I think we might've said that in the AFC South pod, maybe Blaine Blaine really kind of pointed to it um, in the, in the AFC South show. He said that Houston would be really scrappy. I think I was super low on Houston and I, that was me being a Stroud boy. Cause I've been a Stroud boy from the beginning as Blaine has as well, but he's making this matchup look a lot more favorable for the Houston Texans. Um, Carolina's in hell. Uh, I, 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 they don't have anything really around Bryce Young, in my opinion. Um, I mean, Thielen's been playing decent this season, don't get me wrong, but is he enough? No. Houston feels a lot more young. They feel a lot more explosive. C.J. Stroud seems to have a lot more confidence in the offense than Bryce Young does. I love Houston minus three here, Blaine. I absolutely love it. Yeah, and you usually take like a young quarterback off a of bye that's been struggling and the team's been struggling. You take that team off a of bye to cover, right? That's Carolina. But it's a weird spot where Houston's in the same situation. So what do you do? Well, you take the better team. Well, Houston's a better team. Now, I just, I don't know, guys. I, th I think this game's going to be closer than everyone thinks. Like, obviously, it's only a three-point line. But it's a weird spot to where Carolina is going to play better than they have all year. But I think just on the flip side completely, if Carolina was playing somebody else, Houston is in a great spot to make a name for themselves and and uh, continue to score a ton of points. 
Houston's been fun because of the young wide receiving core. Tank Dell has been out. If he comes back this week, Nico Collins has been probably the surprise player of the year in the NFL that no one is talking about. His stats, his um, PFF are off the charts. Just look it up. If you have him fantasy-wise, he's been absolutely nails money for you because him and Stroud have been um, such a dynamic duo. But Houston's defense hasn't been as great as everybody predicted them to be or as solid. These are two bad defenses, two decent offenses. Obviously, Stroud's been better than Bryce Young. But the weird point that Carolina is the last team that has not covered a spread this year, the only team in the NFL that has yet to, 0-5-1 against a spread. It's just like, God damn it, when are they going to do it? (laughs) When are they going to do it? I'm not going to pick them here because I'm going to keep riding with Houston. But I don't know. I, I don't bet this game. Um, two two young quarterbacks off a bye. Who the hell knows what they're going to draw up? I have to take just because of the preseason picks. I got to go down with the ship here, even though I don't love it. I'll I'll just take uh, the Panthers plus three. Interesting tidbit about this one that I just read. This is the first time in NFL history the first three picks in a draft play in the same game that year. Right, oh. strap it with Young Stroud and and Will Anderson, a little nifty scoregami esque stat for for you fine folks there. Um, what makes me, I guess, kind of buy into the Panthers pick here, right, is how hard it is to go zero and seventeen, and so like they're gonna win a game at some point, maybe off of the buy, at home in a game where, you know, Stroud and Young, a lot, they've been linked with talks, you know, a lot. They've known each other since eighth grade. Like, maybe this is a spot where they can get something going here. Frank Reich delegated the play-calling duties uh, before the bye week, which um, organization, you know, a matchup aside, focusing on the Panthers organization, that can't be that good. You know, six six games into the year, that that's probably bad, bad. <laughs> for that to happen. Um, so... Yeah, uh, obviously going to watch this game. There are some better matchups elsewhere, but because we have to do this, I got to go down with the ship here. I'll take the Panthers plus three. The Battle of MetLife Stadium. The New York Jets travel to take on the New York Giants. Technically oh, ew. In the oh, stadium. This. this is ew. Over under, guys. I think this is a great way to start this matchup. It's 36 and a half is the way I'm seeing it. No. <laughs> Giants off of a thrilling 14 to 7 victory to get to 2 and 5 on the season. The Jets 3 and 3. I don't know what to make of this game, man. You know what? I'll start here. The they they finally got the Giants finally got Darren Waller involved. They finally got Saquon going in the pass and the run game and they won a football game. Would you believe that? But I do unfortunately think that Tyrod Taylor is projected in a new confidence in this team. I think they've played much differently with Tyrod back there. And I I think it showed up last week. It didn't look pretty, but they went to Buffalo with Tyrod and they battled till the end. They could have won that game. As a matter of fact, there should have been an untimed down because there was a mugging that took place in the end zone against the giants um, on, on Buffalo. And so, I don't know, guys. I might have to sit back here and listen to you here because, honestly, Tyrod 
I think unless Daniel Jones comes back, and I might have to just I might have to just go super down with the ship and take the Giants no matter what. But man, I mean, it's sad when you look at Tyrod Taylor and you're like, this team likes him more. This team likes him more. They want to play more with Tyrod. They don't want to play with Daniel, and that is tough. It's really tough. I, I don't. I I'm gonna let those into you guys, Johnny. This is disgusting. Um, 36 and a half. That was, I reacted to that in live time. I did. I, for some reason, I, I, when I looked at the schedule before I missed that, this game, um, for me, it is all jets in this spot. Um, and it, that's aided by this quote here by defensive lineman, John Franklin Myers on the idea of the jets giants being a rivalry. He said, quote, I don't give a fuck about no big brother, little brother. I want to win. And that's a quote that sounds like something that Chandler Collins would say. He just wants to win football games, right? And there's not going to be a home field advantage here in this spot because they both share the same grounds. Um, I, I I like the Jets in this spot. I think that the Jets defense is going to uh, show up and have a good game. You know, betting on Zach Wilson to cover three points is something that's a bit scary, but I think I'm yeah. going to be able to take the plunge here and and do that. You know, I just have no part of me that wants anything to do with the Giants. And I don't love the Jets either by any means, but the Jets, I feel like, oddly enough, have like some belief, you know, like their defense has been playing well all season. They've been playing a little bit better. They've won two in a row. Um, They beat Philly, right? And Zach Wilson stinks, but he's not the level of stink he ha- he was at the beginning of the year uh, that he has been in the last three games. Um, I just think for me, it would be enough to, to cover the three. Yeah. And, but Johnny, I could say the same thing about the Giants. I feel like the giants feel like they can win this football game too. They beat the commanders. They should have beat the bills. As you said, Chandler. And then that dolphins loss 31, 16 was not that large of a margin of victory. According to the score, we watched that football game. It was close. And the Giants defense has started to play well out of the middle of where? I don't know. Nowhere. And this under is – I still kind of want to take the under, (laughs) which is nuts. But the commanders, who had been putting up a ton of points, even though the the sack percentage and everything's been so bad with the enemy recently, seven points. You hold the commanders to seven? This Giants defense is a sleeping giant. Nice, by the way. Yeah. Jets, 31st in the NFL. And what? Touchdown rate per possession. The Giants, 32nd in the NFL. And what? Touchdown rate per possession. These are the two worst offenses in the league versus two good defenses. The the under is obviously at play, but 36 and a half. Are you going to do it? Do you have the balls to do it? That's my play. I'll have the balls to do it. Fuck it. This is going to be a shitty New York grind it out. Fuck you, man. Fuck you. I'll fuck you. Third down all day long. No third down conversions. Like the least amount of third down conversions in a football game of all season is happening here. And it's just going to be a weird. Yeah, it'll be a three point game. I guess I'll go Jets, but I don't. I feel like the Giants offense is in a better spot right now with Tyrod than the Jets are just because Zach Wilson. I don't know. It's weird. Weird football game. Listen to these gross ass numbers. Points per game. Just for each team. Let's go through the Jets. Point points by game. First week, 22. Second week, 10. Third week, 10. Fourth week, 20. Fifth week, 31. Sixth week, 20. 
the Giants. First week, zero. Second week, 31. Third week, 12. Fourth, three. Fifth, 16. Sixth, nine. Seventh, 14. They have scored 23, 30, 39, 42 points in the last four games total. Yikes. Jamie, Christmas. And they're going to, just just because of it, they're going to go score fucking 30 on this great yeah. defense and make us all look like idiots. And I'm going to go, after hearing you, I'm going to go Giants. You guys know. Oh, yeah. I've got to go with the Giants. I've got a lot I, of riding on the Giants. I mean, I think I'm, I, it wasn't just Daniel Jones for me. It was the Giants as a franchise. Oh. I need them to get back to the, I need them to win. It was. Don't do that. You're, had, you are I not allowed the Giants, to do that. Guys, I have the Giants in the playoffs. Because of because, because of, of Daniel their Dimes. Yeah, no. Well, okay, but I can still be right about them making the playoffs, can't I? Okay. Yeah. Yes. From here on out, if you want. From week one. <laughs> I've I've been on the Giants, Blaine. You've okay. I, you've known this. No, that's good. I'm flopping. I knew it. I, I'm flopping to the Giants with you. I'm doing it. Come on, Whoa. Chandler. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. No tiffing today. Oh, there's Tiffing. It started as soon as I jumped onto the Zoom call in the pre-show lobby. You, I mean, through the screen, you could feel the Tiffing between you two, and it hasn't stopped the entire show. One final point I want to make before we get to the next game. Just looking through the games that we've talked about, um, and the next one is going to go right into this. Look at, I mean, we're seven weeks into the year, right? Look at some of these or eight weeks into the year, look at some of these quarterback matchups. This is disgusting. It makes me even more thankful for Patrick Mahomes. Zach Wilson versus uh, Tyrod Taylor. You look up uh, earlier, Derek Carr versus Gardner Minshew. I mean, this next one that we're going to talk about, ew. Yeah. And it's a good time to pause too, because guys, the NFL product has not been as good this year. Has you have you felt like it's been? I mean, I'm enjoying oh, college football more. Oh, no. right? I disagree. I really? Think, I don't know. I think like, what it, no, I think what it is right now is that I think the defenses are really good. Yeah, I think off. defenses. I think defenses are catching up to the offense in terms of like, okay, we've seen your new wrinkles. We're gonna add some new wrinkles, and I think defenses yeah. over the league are just better right now. I really we, do. We said it last week is just defensive lines are dominating offensive lines across the league too. So yeah. Yeah. And like think about how many times you turn on the TV on a Sunday and there's an interception or a turnover. Defenses are flying around and getting the football because yeah. they have to. Like you have got to get possessions and they figure that out. I think that's a huge part in it. Because I think also like look at some like the numbers so far, the game totals from Vegas, not a single one yet over 44. I mean, I think that that plays a huge factor. One, with the QB matchups, obviously. But two, I mean, I think it's like, you know, you see quarterbacks like even Patrick Mahomes is throwing more picks this year. Um, and so I think defenses are just more locked in. And it hasn't even gotten cold yet. It's going to get cold, and that's going to land point. over. The, it, I mean, it, it's we're used to offenses being, you know, uh, the the dominating side of the football this early in the season. I don't know if you guys saw this point by, I think it was Dominique Foxworth, who's just kind of, I mean, he's kind of a spaz anyway, but he made, he made a point that I thought was interesting um, on the Kevin Clark podcast. He was talking about um, a lot of the players that are playing like defensive back now ha have grown up and developed as players into professionals 
with the current rules that we have in a league that doesn't allow the corners, the defensive backs to be as grabby. And so it's been like what they've known as the rules. And that might be why we're seeing less flags and better defensive play as opposed to back when, you know, uh, Foxworth was in the league and some of these other guys being told, hey, you have to just change your ways right now. You can't grab like you have your entire career and them having a harder time of doing that. You know, it was just a point that it was an angle on that that I hadn't heard before. And there might be something to that. I mean, you look at the way like McDuffie plays for the Chiefs. He is so fluid and it's all speed and it's timely. He gets his head around. It just seems like, you know, and that all could be bullshit, but it just seemed like it was an interesting take. The Atlanta Falcons travel to Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans. Desmond Ritter versus who? Will Levis, named oh, the God. starter for the Tennessee Titans. Yuck. Falcons, a nice win last week, correct? Who did they beat last week? Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, they beat Tampa Bay in a gross game, 19-17. to 17. Um, Atlanta is one of those teams that we were talking about um, in the week seven overreaction or week seven statement is one of those teams that like we, they just know their formula. They know what they're going to do week in and week out a weird week from B. John Robinson though. He only got like 0.6 fantasy points or something like that. The lowest of the season, Um, but they found a way to win. And the Falcons, four and three, first in the NFC South. So far, I think they're the most consistent team in that division. I don't think there's any doubting that. Um, and it's going to be an interesting clash with Tennessee, considering that Tennessee is known for being really good against the run. Um, but Atlanta minus three on the road screams screams a lot to me here. I think Vegas knows something. The Titans are just not very good. Over, under, guys. 35 and a half, a point Jeez. lower than the Giants and Jets. It's going to be nasty in the Music City. I think that plays into the Falcons. I think they can run the ball a little bit more effectively than Tennessee can move the ball on offense. And how, what are your expectations for Will Levis against a pretty salty defense? Jesse Bates down there, right, Blaine? He's playing yeah. damn well, hasn't he? Cincinnati's missing that guy. Uh, Johnny, we'll start with you. I think this is a game. I haven't brought this out this year yet, but this is a game that I would file under the wake up test. I am not going to wake up with the thought. I cannot believe I bet on Will Levis. I would rather bet on the Falcons and be like, dang, Will Levis impressed me. Like I could live with that. I can't live with a guy who has been a healthy scratch. Um, for Malik Willis to be the backup. No way I can do that. One positive thing I will say about the Titans, though, they are wearing a throwback Houston Oilers uniform. I think that that's going to look really cool. Um, but Will Levis just doesn't seem like a cool dude. And so I, I just I don't want to bet on them here. And not that the Falcons are an ex, you know an exciting bet this year. You know, they have been the Johnny Rowe Falcons in the past, but they haven't been as exciting this year. They are in a weird situation. I guess they're being investigated by the NFL for how they handled the Bijan scenario. Um, I think he only had like one touch for the game, and it was at the very end when they were trying to bleed the clock. 
Um, and, and if he did just wake up with some sort of bad in, injury or headache or whatever it was on game day, it just, I guess it wasn't reported the proper way. Arthur Smith's been kind of a dick about it to the media. Good. Media's kind of, kind of scum. You know, we're not part of the media here on the Figure It Out podcast. We're our own specific niche in, in this in this sports world. But um, I, I don't know if that's – I don't think that's a scenario that's big enough to be like a distraction for them this week going on the road. And so I'll, I'll, I'll just take the Falcons here and have Will Levis prove me wrong. The Falcons are the better football team. It's pretty clear. But the weird part about the NFL here, the weird part about teams and – buying around. I've heard so many Derrick Henry trade rumors of, oh, where's he going to go? Who's going to pick up Derrick Henry? Because they just traded away their best. So, well, one of their best, I should say. He's not their best defensive player. But Kevin Byard is one of the best safeties in the NFL over the last five years. Gone to the Eagles. Sold him. Sold A.J. Brown to the Eagles, too. Tennessee just seems like they're down. Not going to come back. Maybe a tank job. Starting Will Levis. Don't have a quarterback. Maybe going to lose a running back. Here comes Atlanta, a great defense. Desmond Ritter, though, and it just gets a little weird once you start talking about who's going to score because the Atlanta Falcons can't either. And so, yeah, both these teams suck. But I don't know, man. Something about me, yes, Atlanta's a better football team. They should win this football game. But that Tennessee locker room is either going to rally the hell behind losing one of their best players in Kevin Byard and then talking about Derrick Henry leaving. Are they going to pick this up? And is Rabel going to get these guys going? Are they going to come get beat by Desmond Rear and Arthur Smith? I I have a hard time thinking that the Atlanta Falcons are just going to come in and waltz over the Titans. The Titans don't lose these football games. They don't. They haven't in 10 years, especially with Rabel at the helm. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to have something. They're going to punch Atlanta in the mouth, and Atlanta's going to have to respond. And I just don't know if Atlanta's capable of doing it. Somehow, some way, this game will go over. It will go over. But is it on the winning end? Um, a Titans W? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't pick this for the world of my life. But if I do, I'll go ahead and go Titans just for the hell of it. Arthur Smith revenge game, too, I believe, because he was in Tennessee before going to Atlanta. So, of note there. And how much stock do you put into not seeing Levis so far this year? Maybe they got some wrinkles. Maybe he throws the ball down the field. Like, he could look okay. He's got to be better than Ritter's been over the, the part of his career, right? I mean, you just don't know. There's so much unknown. The Jacksonville Jaguars travel to Akershire Stadium to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to be an awesome game, guys. I'm really looking forward to this game. I think this comes down to... And it kind of seems another team that has a formula. As I said in the Week 7 statement, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a formula. If the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense can make life hell for the Jacksonville Jaguars' offense, the Steelers have a great chance in this game to win the football game and to easily cover three. Excuse me, not easily, but to, to cover three. Over under 41.5, a, a little bit higher um, here, but not that crazy. I think that says a lot about Pittsburgh's defense because Jacksonville's offense has looked good over the last few weeks. They put up 31 last Thursday off a of mini buy. I think that's of note as well, especially going on the road to a hostile environment. Really understand um, Pittsburgh's defense. It's all about Trevor Lawrence's comfortability here. I think Jacksonville's O-line has done decently enough. This is a different beast. The Steelers' defense, especially at home, is going to be nasty. Can Jacksonville hold up to the test? We will see. 
I'm taking Pittsburgh plus three, guys. I got to do it. Kenny Pickett, throw it to George Pickens. I highly recommend it. And good things are going to happen. I will say of note, I do kind of like this Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I think it's just kind of frisky. I, I think that they're really athletic at all three levels. I think they have good players at all three levels. And that kind of scares me. But I'm going to take Pittsburgh plus three. Um, Blaine, what do you think? Yeah, Jacksonville's forced a league-high 16 turnovers so far this year, and that's voted well for them. They're starting a league-high 15 drives um, on their opponent's side of the field. So, I mean, they're they're getting the football and they're scoring um, off these turnovers, and it's it's voted well. You said it rests. I mean, Cisco-led, Josh Allen-led defense has been better than advertised. And really, I, I just have a hard time – picking this the Steelers are not the better football team and you give me three points two and a half whatever you have I Jacksonville is a sleeping giant you can't even say that anymore they started slow and they're getting hot and they're going to continue to get hot Travis Etienne has been phenomenal over the last few weeks he's going to continue to be phenomenal here the Steelers rushing defense has not been very good either they're allowing um Averaging 61 fewer rushing yards per game offensively and then allowing even more defensively. I don't have the stat here about their defense um, giving up a ton of rushing yards, but they're allowing 4.3 rushing yards on first and second down per play. So they're just getting gassed early is what I'm trying to say. So pure passing down, you know, T.J. Watt can get after the quarterback. This defense is good on the back end with Minka and some of these. That's where the Steelers want to be. But if Travis Etienne can get going and Jacksonville can have a well-rounded offensive game plan, I think Jacksonville's defense can stop Kenny more than Pittsburgh can stop a well-rounded Jacksonville offense. Now, that was a lot. I went like four different routes there, and I apologize. One one stat I do want to say, though, is the Steelers have punted a league high on 55% of their drives. 55% of their drives that have started on their side of the field. So when they get the ball on a kickoff, half the time they're not even making it past the 50-yard line. They're punting half of the time. And you think that's going to be a winning recipe against Trevor Lawrence? No. Pittsburgh's 4-2? and two? No. 4-3. and three. They're inflated. Oh, okay. Chandler just flipped off Blaine. Come on, tough. Chan. Yeah, that was, that was tough. I mean, that was a bad segment by me, so I deserve a flip off because I went like a hundred different routes. But you get what I'm trying to say. Jacksonville's better, Chandler. You got to admit it. Shows the authenticity of the podcast that we sometimes process this in real time, and so we're not like bound to all of our takes unless they're preseason takes, and we have to go down with the ship. Um. Okay. So I stole this one from Nick Wright, but this is really good. Okay, so Sunday is October 29th when they have this game. So basically, let's go back to November 1st of last year. So basically a year, right? In the last year, the Jags have lost five games. They got blown out by the Jag- by the Lions in a game last year. They got blown out in a really bad game against the Texans earlier this year. Texans always play them tough. And the other three losses in the last year have been to the Chiefs. Okay? So that... They're, they might not every game be the most dynamic uh, offense, but their defense is playing really sound football. Their offense is showing good moments. And to me, this just doesn't feel like, you know, if you take out those three Chiefs games, they've gotten blown out twice. I just don't feel like the Steelers are going to blow them out. 
And if they've been, you know, been winning games, this is going to be a game that I think they're going to win. One thing I will say about the Steelers, though, you guys have said multiple times that you're, you know, you're like Micah Parsons is the best player in all of football, which obviously pisses me off because it's it's clearly Patrick Mahomes. The one that I would say, in my opinion, over Micah as like the best football player, if you're not going to say Patrick Mahomes, is TJ Watt. The guy lined up in, in as a coverage like defensive back and jumped a route that wasn't even his and had a pick last week. He's second in the league in sacks. This guy is an absolute freak. He's the, clearly the best player on their team. Frankly, if they lined him up in t- at tight end, I think he'd be a great a, a, be able to play both ways of the football for them. If they were on the one yard line and they handed him the ball, they'd probably be able to get the ball into the end zone. So I just think T.J. Watt is a clear difference maker here. Trevor Lawrence is going to be wearing a knee brace again. Um, he looked fine against the Saints with the knee brace. He even was was running a few times, which he hasn't been doing this year. Um, T.J. Watt's a huge difference maker. I feel like he scores a touchdown for them like every single week or gets close to it or, or, or contributes to put them in their best field starting field position of any of their drives every week. Um, and I just gassed up the Steelers, and I'm going to take the Jags. Thank you. Well done. Wow. They're just wow. a completely better football team. Just completely. Both here's sides. one thing. Here's one angle, though. Both teams have good head coaches. Yeah. Who's the better head coach? Probably Tomlin. Probably. Man. Both have Super Bowls. Both yeah. very good. It's like it's a match. It's it's good. It, they're both. Shoot, they're both probably great. Yeah. What? Okay. Hold on. Let's do this together. What is the best? Both teams. What's the best unit? Probably the Steelers' defense. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Jacksonville's. Jacksonville's yeah. offense. Yeah. But what's the worst unit is Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's, offense, Pittsburgh's by a offense. mile, and yeah. that's what just you can't take. Whenever one side of the football is that bad, you can't take them to win against a team that's so well-rounded and so good in the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not dude, by a Kenny mile, P- Yeah, it's, dude, Kenny Pickett is going to get exposed again this year, and he hasn't for three weeks. He did for the first – they were calling for Matt Canada's head for the first four weeks of this football season, then we just haven't even talked about it. And now we're just like, oh, Pittsburgh might win this game. It's going to come around again to where we're like, what the fuck are we doing with Canada and Pickett? And this is a game where we're like, wow, why did we not see this coming? I, I got one more it. angle. Let's add a wrinkle to this. This is a good discussion. This game being in Pittsburgh is a big deal. This game is a matchup of what I would think like P- Pittsburgh tough versus maybe Florida soft. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I mean, or do we want to say that? And Not cold one. yet, though, Johnny. Not cold yet. Well, on Sunday... Uh, the temperatures are going to be in the 50s with guaranteed rain Ooh. at kickoff. Oh, uh, yeah. And now let's just say, <laughs> th- yeah, let's just say this. A wet- First off, weathermen should not be allowed to use the word guarantee. Weathermen do not guarantee anything. So I'm just saying, according to the weather, which is not confirmed to be real, I don't know if I believe in weather, mm. um, rain, gray skies, 50-ish degrees, how does that make us feel? Uh, Jack- I love it. Jacksonville is averaging 30 more yards per 
I guess, rushing yards per game than their opponent in the NFL. Pittsburgh. ETN's been balling. Pittsburgh struggles, has even struggled to run the football, too. So if if it's a running game, it still favors the Jacks. Oh, Jalen Warren is so much better than Najee. Najee's Chandler, Najee stinks. You really think he stinks? Is that a cookie? Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Chandler no, went from okay, so for pod non-watchers, right? We don't have this on YouTube. Chandler went from his desk to his fridge to his couch <laughs> in a matter of 10 seconds here. Dude, I've got a sweet tooth and I've got some really awesome frosted pumpkin cookies right now. They're unreal. So yeah, a little pre-pod snack as we get through the slate here. I need E, guys, and I've got it. Let's go. Los Angeles Rams travel to Dallas. Dallas off a bye. Rams off of a bad loss from the Rams' perspective to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I I think Dallas rolls here. I think that the Cowboys um, are, you know, four and two for the first six. I think that's a good spot for them. About what I would have expected, I think most of us would have expected. Um, they're really only bad loss with Arizona. I mean, I know they got absolutely murdered by San Francisco, but I wouldn't classify that as a horrible loss. I think this is a great spot for them to beat a formidable opponent. And this game, to me, can really tell us what Dallas really is. Dallas needs to win this game. Dallas should win this game. But this also, as I talk about it here on Wednesday evening, feels like a game that kind of like, the uh, what was the game we were talking about earlier? Where it was like a must win for a team that me and Blaine. Oh, the Vikings. It kind of feels like that. It kind of feels like if this is a game that you need to win and you should win, and if you do, we'll take you seriously. So Dallas, the challenge is to go out and prove it. Minus six and a half at home. Over under forty five and a half. That seems kind of high. Um, seems like they're kind of expecting a lot of scoring. Johnny, I'm going Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Um, just looking at Dallas's schedule, the point you made about them really needing this game, I I think is true. So right, they got Rams coming off the bye. They go to Philly the following week, but then it's they play the Giants at home. They go to Carolina. They play Washington at home. Right. So if you just break off those five games, if they can get this win, say they lose to Philly and then win the next three, it's four and one in that five game stretch before they finish their season with this, in my opinion, a gauntlet of a stretch. They've got Seattle on a Thursday. They, they've got Philly. They go to Buffalo, to Miami, um, and then they finish with Detroit and Washington. So it's like I think this is a, a game that they're really going to be keyed up for. I think that the Rams, again, are, are they are who we thought they were, guys. Like, they're just not – they have too many young, like undrafted guys on the defense, I think. And I, I, I just, you know, Micah Parsons chasing around Matt Stafford doesn't make me feel great. I will say Dallas's defense has really taken some hits with with the injuries. I think they ruled out Leighton Vanderesh for the rest of the season. Of course, Diggs is out for the season, so I, I think that is something to monitor there. But six and a half at home. Like this to me feels like a game that the Cowboys win and then they play like 
they play San Francisco and get their doors blown off. Like, I, I don't know. I, Blaine, yeah. you have, you've been the cow. Not, you're not a Cowboys guy. I'm not going to say that, but you have right. been the guy who's been talking about him a lot this year for good reason. I think those injuries on their defense are piling up and could be a concern. But to me, this is a spot where they get the job done on the six and a half. Yeah, I think they do too. Especially have a buy like Cowboys off a buy here. And then you get just, I, I yes, the Rams have played good, but I feel like they just kind of squeaked by in quite a few of these games. Stafford's played his ass off and then you get Cooper cup back and some things are rolling right for them. But I, d- I don't know if this is a spot where I love the Rams. Now, these two teams, I feel like they play a lot, but they don't. I look back at the history, like I don't I think they play every three years or so. But I, is it like a sneaky rivalry from the past, like back in the day? I think it is. Regardless, though, Rams Rams last week, they should have – you can't beat Pittsburgh if you miss three field goals. Like, three kicks, they just booted their kicker out the door. Something ain't right there. Dallas off a bye. Like I said, Dallas off a bye. I just think they're the better football team. They've been a better football team all year. One stat I pulled, the Rams are third in the NFL in drives that go three and out. That against a Cowboys defense with Dan Quinn off a bye to get some time to draw something up against them, I don't love that at all. I think it's six and a half for a reason. I'll, I'll, I'll Hell, I'd play seven if you can if you can get an alternate. I don't know it's only um, a half a point, but bump it up. I think the Cowboys uh, have a chance to roll here. Do you guys think that this is we- – I don't know why I think this is weird that this game's at noon. Is that weird? It feels I'll- like three. Yeah. At least, Dallas, yeah. Dallas at home at noon is weird. Yeah, kind of gross. I feel like I Dallas mean, this screams three oh five or something like that. Yeah, right? if Dallas is at home, they're they're in the afternoon. But yeah, that's a great point, actually. AFC East battle: the New England Patriots coming off a huge win last week in Foxborough, travel to South Beach to take on the Miami Dolphins, coming off a pretty. Bad loss, I'd say, not in terms of their opponent, but just in the way that they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. Miami played has played two what I would call real teams um, in hell and Philadelphia, and Miami has failed both tests really, really poorly, in my opinion, and they're really kind of approaching a weird territory, and I think that New England is going to make this game kind of difficult for Tua. This is kind of two tough physical defenses back to back. New England playing pretty good defense as we saw last week on a page, or on a excuse me on a Buffalo Bills offense that has some weapons. Um, Johnny rattled off J.C. Jackson's stats earlier, and I like this matchup kind of for New England. The biggest question mark to me is what Mac Jones do we get? Mac Jones last week. Looked pretty decent in a lot of opportunities against the uh, Buffalo Bills. And so, plus nine in a place where I know the Patriots have had some struggles, but that's a lot of points. I'm just nervous. I'm nervous about what Miami can do if they just flat out beat you with speed. Yeah. Against an offense in New England that has not been proven throughout the season to score a lot of points. I'm going to take the Patriots plus nine guys for the pod, but I could get ugly. It really could, Blaine. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I feel like New England, that's why I bet New England last week. New England in spots like this, are the they're the easiest team to pick in the league. In divisional games where Belichick knows the opponent, where it's just kind of a, a rivalry to where New England just always plays up. 
especially with Mac, even with Mac Jones and some of these bad teams. It just, they showed their cards earlier this year. These two teams played 24-17. Patriots held Tyreek to 40 yards um, through the air. Waddle had an all right day, but it was, you know, not the Miami we were used to seeing. And it was the first time to where like, okay, maybe, maybe you can stop Miami's offense. And, you know, this is another thing that just the chess match of Belichick what does he do differently in the second game of the year against the Dolphins than he did the first time? Tyreek with the hip. Is that just a fugazi to where they're all playing chess matches here and that no one knows what's going to... New England, more than a touchdown in a division game when they're really not that bad. They're the best 2-5 and five team in the, in the NFL right now. Um, they just got to get a pulse offensively. And Mac Jones looked better, but they got to do something here. They got to figure something out. Or they'll they'll get outscored, but I'll go ahead and lay it with you, Chandler. I'll go I'll go New England. The Tyreek thing. Let me just read you guys this quote from Tua today. So Tyreek hasn't missed a game since 2020. Very reliable. He's always out there. Tyreek came back into the game um, after sustaining the injury last week. He's a tough son of a bitch, even if he's crazy. Um, this was regarding Tyreek Hill's issue. Tua said, quote, somewhere down the line, we're going to get Tyreek back. What does somewhere down the line mean? So when you when you guys are listening to this podcast, it'll be Thursday. We're recording Wednesday night. But 10 days from when you're listening to this, the Chiefs are playing the Dolphins in Germany. Um, so if he's got a hip issue and they're playing the Patriots team, they should beat regardless of the spread, of course, we picked the spread, but the team that they believe they should beat, Tyreek obviously is going to play against the Chiefs unless his le- hip is broken. They have a long flight to get over there. I don't know, like, is this a spot where they rest him or if he's up for the game, they just limit his snaps depending on how the game's going. Just something to monitor there. I, I, do you guys take anything from that quote from him? It's weird. I mean, I, I don't know if he was just kind of talking and it's 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 a weird way to say it for sure. Somewhere yeah. down the line, we're going to get Tyreek back. That's that's not good. No, that's not good. Um, and so yeah, definitely monitor that there. I like what you guys are saying. It, it, I'm kind of feeling how Blaine felt earlier in the podcast when he was like, "I agree with everything you're saying," and I'm going to take the other thing. I think I'm just going to take the Dolphins here. I'm I've been the pa- anti Patriots person. I my opinion did not change of New England after last week. Buffalo yeah. just plays down to their competition. They're a bad yeah. football team, and yeah. so I just think that I, sure. you know, it's way more fun to bet a team plus nine than it is minus nine. I'll just I'm just going to do that here. I'm going to take the Dolphins. And, and one more point too, which why I've been so anti Dolphins all year is. They, if two is pressured, and that's why I picked Buffalo early in the year, then they're just a completely different football team. Three offensive linemen down last week against Philadelphia. They, you know, they obviously didn't look themselves. And you think that Judon and um, New England can get after? I, I, I don't know, guys. I just if two would, it has a patriot in his face at all times, that Belichick's going to do. What do they look like? It's going to be weird. I, I'm glad you picked Miami. It makes me feel better. Just to have both sides of this football yeah. game because who the fuck knows what's going to happen. Raheem Mostert also was DNP today uh, on Wednesday. Um, Jalen Waddle, who left their last game with a back back spasms or whatever it is, he was limited. Jalen Ramsey did practice in limited fashion. 
Um, so if they got him back, Xavier Howard out there in limited fashion, you know, I mean, they could be get there could. It's too early to tell, I guess, with some of these injuries. Um, yeah. Betting minus nine is just like not fun, but I, I, I don't want to bet on New England. I just don't, guys. I don't know if it's me getting older or what, but okay, here it is. There's just some team, like there's just some teams that I really, really hate, and I don't really have much of an issue or like reason to hate them. But I hate the Dolphins. You too. I thought you were going to say the Patriots, and I was going to go no, the other way. So I'm no. glad. Yeah, I yeah. hate Miami. I me too. hate. I hate them. And I don't I know if Tyreek or what, but dude. Fuck Miami. When your head coach is trotting out in aviators and a sweatshirt in 95-degree weather, then, I mean, dude, what the fuck? Can we hate both? <laughs> I like. I hate the Patriots, too. What the yeah, hell? that's fair. That's yeah, fair. I hate New England as well. I, just... I also hate Pittsburgh, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, I hate Pittsburgh and Denver. I... I got a root for Pittsburgh, I guess, but, you know, whatever. The Cleveland Browns travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. This is going to be a really fun game, guys. This game could have a lot of chaos out there in the Pacific Northwest. The 305 game, the first 305 game of the slate. Um, PJ Walker ruled the starter this week for Cleveland. I'm going to leave the Cleveland situation to Johnny. I cannot wait to hear what he has to say. I'll stick with the Seahawks. DK Metcalf banged up. Uh, he seems to always have some sort of injury designation leading into every single week. I think he's going to play. Um, that's something to monitor, though, because the Seahawks, while they beat the Cardinals last week with a little sluggish on offense, um, picked up a 20-10 to 10 win over Arizona, Battle of the Birds. I think it's – this is so tough because Cleveland's defense is really good. But like, what is PJ? What are the, your expectations of PJ Walker going to Seattle and playing uh, against the Seattle defense in the twelfth man? I just don't love it, really. I don't love it from the Browns' offensive perspective. And I know they put up a bunch of points last week. They were aided with some stuff. Miles Garrett had that sick, freaking field goal block. He jumped over the D line. I feel like Johnny, you made a good point with TJ Watt. I think you got to put Miles Garrett in that same spot too. That dude's an absolute stud. And over under 38 and a half, I like the under. I think both these defenses kind of make it tough. I think the crowd makes it tough on PJ Walker. I haven't looked at the weather, but these two franchises scream rain. Like most of the time when these franchises are in the same or in a game. There's, like, rain involved. I bet it's going to be rainy and nasty in Seattle. I'm going Seattle. I'm going to go Seattle minus three and a half. I think I'm going to give it to the home team here. That's the only reason why. If this was a neutral site, this would be a tie. <laughs> this game screams tie to me, Johnny. What do you – or, no, is it? I think it's Johnny, actually, yeah. Uh, PJ Walker hasn't hasn't started against a Seattle football team since 2020 when his Houston Roughnecks beat the Seattle Dragons uh, in the <laughs> XFL. Oh, nice! Yeah, and so did he win goes, or not? <laughs> yeah, the, the 32-23. Yeah, the he led the Houston Roughnecks to a five and zero finish before COVID got in the way of oh. the XFL season. Um, and look, 
Like I, I, I want to bet on PJ Walker. First off, this could be like an, the all time worst uniform matchup of all time. This I was going to say the same thing. That's one thing I had is this the color scheme here is just so bad. So this color bad. scheme looks like diarrhea. This looks <laughs> like this brown, neon brown versus neon neon. That's what this is. It's just disgusting. Mix in the rain that's inevitably going to be there. Um, this looks like a toilet. And I'm not a big not a big fan of that. But I think it could be, a, you know, if, maybe if. If Deshaun was there, and I do want to talk about him a little bit, this could be a bet a better matchup. I just don't think I really have faith in PJ Walker to get this thing done. We we got a little discussion today in in the group text, and so I was kind of questioning Blaine about why he's so uh, why he is like defending Deshaun, and I think I kind of had it misconstrued there. What and what what I want to make clear is that Cleveland is good. Like they're and Blaine nailed that. My big thing is I am extremely anti Deshaun Watson uh, for a multitude of reasons that I've made clear on this podcast. And it does kind of grind my gears that like I'm so lockstep with the blog blog boy journalists and these Diet Coke drinking fat freaks that blog about how these professional athletes are terrible human beings. I don't like being on their side, but I really am. But part of the reason that I'm so interested in Cleveland is how weird the word weird is what I'm going for. The coverage and reporting has been about Deshaun since this shoulder got hurt. The Browns are two and one with Deshaun as their starter. They are also two and one in games where he hasn't started or started and not finished the game. Right. That is a testament one. To Cleveland being good. I think Stavansky's good. Andrew Barry, their GM, other than, you know, this Deshaun Watson contract has been pretty good. Um, my camera just messed up. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, we hear you great. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go ahead and mute that. But um, or, uh, yeah, I'm good. So uh say what you will about Stefanski. I think he's good. Andrew Barry, outside of the Deshaun contract, I think has been okay, but their defense is amazing. It does not look good on them that they are still winning games when Deshaun Watson is not out there. And they've paid him a ton of money up into this point, over $90 million, right? If you take out the signing bonus, if you just factor out his contract, he's making over $2 million per game. That's not good that he's not out there. What makes it even more weird, right, is this reporting. We've seen now twice... Deshaun not go out there when it seems like he's healthy enough to go out there. Um, Stefanski Stefanski is not doing a great job of like reporting to the media how Deshaun Watson's doing. Uh, on Sunday, he said that Deshaun is their quarterback going forward, right? He's their starter. He's going to go against Seattle. And then today he says that he's not going to play. And so I just think that the messaging has been weird. The reporting on his injury has been weird. And, you know, like when Patrick Mahomes hurt his ankle, we knew everything about Patrick Mahomes' ankle. When when Josh yeah. Allen hurt his UCL, we knew everything about, about his UCL. Even like the media was trying to get into their practice and reported it better than this. I think that the reporting has been weird around a guy with a fully guaranteed contract. And I think that, you know, 
a guy making that kind of money, you can say it's fair, it's not fair. You are held to a different standard. It is about the contract. You need you you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you make that much money. People want answers. They want Deshaun Watson out there, and he's not going to be out there again. Now let me try to fix this camera. The only thing I have to say with that, Johnny, is just I think the injury is just so weird that Stefanski doesn't know Sunday right after the game if Deshaun's going to be good on Tuesday or Wednesday. That you know he had to have a few days like, hey, how are you doing? How are you throwing the ball? It's a, it's a short. It's not something an MRI is going to bring up immediately after the game. A rotator cuff bruise is something that pitchers have a hard time with for six weeks. And Deshaun's had a hard time with it for four. And it's just a weird injury that, yes, reporting's been bad on it because I don't think anybody truly knows. Hell, I don't even think Deshaun knows if he'll wake up tomorrow and be great after a bunch of icing and rehab. I don't think anybody knows. So I, the where it comes into this is the contract situation you're talking about. Yes, the contract makes everything that much more enlightened and that much more um, scrutiny becomes on this and Deshaun itself that it just gets all weird. And that's you have a great point in that this is just um, – Browns haven't done a good job with it. and they, they need to do better, especially when you pay a guy the most in the NFL at quarterback position in the offseason who has <laughs> had some questions behind him before that. His cap only, hits like in the 60 millions, the next, yeah. like each of the next three or four years. And I'm, I know that's way down the road and you're right. I mean, the, it, it could just be he's hurt, but if you look at their schedule again, it hasn't even really gotten cold yet. Playing AFC North teams is not fun, right? They go, they've got, they go to Seattle, then they've got Arizona, but then they go to Baltimore and then they're home versus Pittsburgh. Like, so that's just the next four weeks. So yeah. When is he going to come back? Like, that's where there's just like no messaging. It feels indefinite. And it yeah. feels a lot like that. I said this earlier, the Eric Berry situation with the Chiefs, where every day Andy Reid was just like, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. You know, he's day to day with your quarterback with this, with these guarantees like that just doesn't feel good. And, and it's it's going to drive the Cleveland fan base crazy. And then he's he's cleared enough, right, whether they rushed him back or not. He was deemed eligible to play against the Colts, and he threw five passes, was one of five for five yards with a pick, and one of his four incompletions was intercepted and then ruled against it and was an absolutely terrible throw. He obviously is hurt. He couldn't throw the ball down the field. It's just a weird situation. Yeah, it is. But the last thing I'll say on Deshaun, really, though, if he's playing this football game, I have a tough time picking it. The fact that he's not, I don't. I'm all over Seattle. Cleveland just is not going to be able to, yes, against the Colts defense, put up a ton of numbers last week, but they're averaging a league low uh, yards per play on first down. They're not really converting on third down. They're seeing a lot of third and longs. And Seattle just they're a better, well-oiled machine on both sides of the football. I think at home in this football, in this spot, this football team is better than Cleveland. Take what you will about the defense of Cleveland for the first however many weeks. Yes, they're still going to be good here, but I just don't foresee Seattle laying an egg. I don't foresee P.J. Walker playing great here in this spot. Seattle on a 3 o'clock at home is, I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it, and I think they're going to, uh, I don't want to say they're going to dominate this football team because Cleveland's defense is that good, but they're going to win this game by more than three, Seattle.
no DK Metcalf last week. It was good to see JSN, who I think yeah. one yep. of you too. I, I don't remember who, but we're talking. I, I think it was Blaine. Yeah, you were high on him. He goes uh, four for 63 and got into the end zone for the first time in his career. And that was just good to see from him. Yeah. So the first four weeks of the year, he hadn't caught a ball past, I think, I think it was like 10 yards down the field. It was all just dump offs to, to, Smithing Jigba because he wasn't a part of that offense. He was kind of that last resort uh, check down guy. And now they're putting him a little more into this, especially with DK out. You're going to see more of him as his time goes on. I think Seattle is going to become stronger and stronger as the year goes on. And uh, yeah, Seattle's a better football team here, guys. A rematch of Super Bowl 23. The San Francisco 49ers host the Cincinnati Bengals. Five and two San Francisco, three and three Cincinnati. The Niners off of a weird loss on Monday Night Football, a game they did not look ready to play. Um, I thought they looked really sluggish. Purdy did not look good. He's been a huge topic around the league this week. Um, Cincinnati kind of the same way. Cincinnati off the bye. I think that's something that needs to be recognized here um, for this matchup, but I think Cincinnati is getting the Niners at a bad spot. I think that they're going to try to get – it's going to be tough to get healthier on the short – technically the shorter week, um, especially with the travel back. I would imagine that they probably had, what, Tuesday – I don't even know if you get Tuesday off probably. You probably got to practice Tuesday, maybe take Wednesday off if you're the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so weird, weird little thing there, over under 43 and a half. The Niners are just so good, man. Like, I know they didn't look good on Monday, but the Cincinnati Bengals defense has been playing okay, but then the bye, I feel like, kind of cools them off a little bit. Purdy, as long as he takes care of the ball here, I kind of like the spot for the Niners to bounce back, minus three and a half at home. I think I'm going to lean that. And I think that really, I think the Niners defense is going to make life really tough on Joe. Joe's got to be protected. He isn't getting protected. I know it's been a little bit better of recent, but again, I think their bye was at a weird, weird time based on how their start of the season has been. Um, it's either going to go one of two ways. It's going to go, it's going to be a really great time for it to kind of regroup and weather the storm, or it's going to kill their momentum for what they're the, for what they were building uh, after a slow start. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Cincinnati Bengals can can attack this game. But that defense is going to make it nasty, man. Over under again, 43 and a half. I'm taking the Niners minus three and a half here, Blaine. Yeah, this is a phenomenal football game, obviously. But I want to go to the fact that I think this is a good spot for the Bengals. Burrow looked better um, before the bye, looked more mobile before the bye. Jamar Chase starting to get going as the dude in the NFL, starting to put up some yards, some touchdowns. Had a three touchdown game three weeks ago. I, I, I and then you get the Niners. Debo didn't practice. Now you get McCaffrey back, but Trent Williams still didn't practice. Purdy in concussion. Drake Greenlaw is rested, so that's okay. He didn't practice, but that's a no no factor. But I, something about me says the fact that, yes, maybe the Bengals can go the opposite direction here and start to trend downward, but they're too, too, too good of a football team to do that. I think in a huge spot off a of bye, they are – going to show that they are one of the better teams in the NFL still. They started slow, but Burrow's getting healthier. Burrow off a bye. This offense is going to roll. You saw Kirk just throw for 400 against his defense. Doesn't show me that um, Joe Burrow and this offense can't do somewhat of the same. I'm not saying that they're going to go for four, but maybe three. Points are going to be scored here. 
And um, I, I have a hard time not picking Cincinnati. I got them at five and a half on Tuesday. It's now down to three and a half. So a lot of people are laying money on Cincinnati here. I'm going to go with a lot of people. I'll still take it at three and a half for the pod, but um, just look at lines on Monday and Tuesday. You'll get much of a better bet. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how much that line's going to move. I honestly thought I think that line tells us a lot about what people think of Cincinnati and it might not be as high. I'm taking Cincinnati here, but you I would just think with quarterback uncertainty with potentially Sam Darnold being out there, so much money. And and this is a big move so far, two 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 and a half points, but I I feel like it could move more. You know, it's it's just so weird like the Bengals are playing Sam Darnold and our three-point dogs. I don't know. That just maybe the Bengals aren't as good as we thought. Um, it, it it looks to be that way. Orlando Brown's been bad this year. Such a shame. Uh, re- real upset about that one. Um, Debo being out for San Francisco is a big deal. Uh, Shanahan already said, like you know, before the last game that Debo would be out two weeks at least, and so that would include this one. Um, so, so I don't love that. Uh, you, you, you know, hopefully Kittle and, and Ayuk still go off. McCaffrey also is an absolute alien to have a slight tear in his oblique to have to come out of the last game to come into and then come into the last game. He played a hundred percent of the snaps. McCaffrey played every snap last week, had a fumble, still scored two touchdowns <clears throat> is still an absolute beast. Um, and so obviously he's going to be a big factor here to me. I think that this is a spot though, where Cincinnati just wins because of the rest of their schedule being ridiculously difficult. Also, I'm not too shaken up about that, but they are at San Francisco. Then they're home versus Buffalo. Then they're home versus a scrappy Texans team. Then they go to Baltimore. Then they're home versus Pittsburgh. Then they go to Jacksonville. Then they play Indy. Then they play Minnesota. Then they play Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Cleveland to finish the season. The Bengals have the hardest schedule in the entire league, and they need this game right here. And so I'm going to take them in hopes that I'm wrong. They're going to win this football game, Bengals. Ugh, that's a brutal schedule. Wow, Johnny. I cannot believe what I just heard. Unbelievable. Ridiculous. Oh, yes. Battle of the Birds in the desert. The Baltimore Ravens travel to Phoenix to take on the Arizona Cardinals, or Glendale, excuse me. I believe they're in Glendale, Arizona, not Phoenix. I don't think we have to spend much time on this game. I think the Cardinals are dead. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Kyler. I feel like the Cardinals have been kind of riding high from a frisky start to the season, but they're 1-6 for a reason, guys. They're really not very good. And Baltimore is looking better and better throughout the weeks. Minus eight and a half on the road does feel like a lot from a defense. I still think their defense is kind of capable. I really do. But that offense is just bad against a good defense. Um, I feel like it's kind of plus 320 Arizona on the money line for the betting folks out there is kind of fun if you're a psycho because if there's one dome – that's weird. I think it's also Arizona's dome. I think weird things happen there unless you're the Chiefs. And so maybe if you're a sicko, but it's the Ravens all day here. Minus eight and a half. Lamar, another chance to get better. Um, and for Ravens fans, you would hope that this is a 10-point game. If this is the Chiefs at the Cardinals, 
I want this to be ten plus point win for sure. So I'm looking at it that way. Ravens, Johnny. I've heard this stat from Colin Cowherd, like what today's Wednesday. So I've heard it like six times in the last three days. But Lamar Jackson is sixteen and one straight up against NFC teams in his career. Pretty good. Um, and I think that continues here. There is something to to monitor on the Cardinals side. Kyler full participant in practice. I don't I don't think that means he plays this week. And I really don't have much else to say. Baltimore's good and they're gonna win. Baltimore. <laughs> well said, Blaine. <laughs> Sunday night football. The Chicago Bears play the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's just go ahead and give this one the stinky tag, honestly, um, because the Chargers are putrid. They are the same old Chargers that they always are. Um, that was a really bad performance by them, I thought, on Sunday. I really did. Just did not capitalize on really anything. Could not stop the Chiefs for really the entirety of the game um, and did not score in the second half. And that's a sign of a poorly coached team with – a lack of identity and really, I mean, where are the defender? Like wh where's Joey Bosa? Did he do anything in the game against us? Where was Khalil Mack coming into this game? Did he do anything against us? No. And that's weird to me. And on the Bears side, hell of a win against the Raiders. This is a weird game talking about it out loud. What are you going to get from either of these teams? I think it helps the chargers tremendously that it's in SoFi. I think I know where Blaine's going to go here, but I am out on the Tyson badge and thing. This is a different beast going on the road in the NFL against a team and an offense with a lot more competency than the Raiders. He's going to have to go toe to toe with Herbert, in my opinion, and there's just no way he can do that. I'm I'm going to take the charges for the pod over under 46 and a half. I don't necessarily think I love that. I actually think I like the under in this one, to be honest. Blaine, what do you think? Yeah, I want to take Tyson Badger just because I think he's a true. I I mean he has a he's a playmaker. He's always been a playmaker since he's been in high school. We said that last week, so I picked him. But and he should make plays against this Chargers secondary that is questionable at best. But this is a game where Bosa and Mac can get going, especially on a Sunday night with the with a rookie coming in, second game of his career. Chargers are not a two and four football team. Yeah, they're so bad, right? No, yeah. I really got. I really don't think they're that bad. Um, Blaine, they're they're not. They're not. They had chances. It, it should have been a twenty four twenty four game if Omenihu doesn't tip that ball and the Chiefs pick it off. And then it's a different football game in the third quarter. I mean, it was closer there for a while than we imagined it being. And does that mean you're bad? You no, know, no. I'm not saying that, but they're they're way better than the Chicago Bears. They simply are. And we don't need to get it twisted. It's a nine-point spread for a reason. The Chargers should roll here, and I think they will. Um, everything about me wants to pick the Bears, plus nine. But I'm not going to do it. I think the Chargers have a chance to finally get on some kind of track because they're not that bad. They're uh, Look, their defense is horrible. They can't do anything right. But at some point, they're going to be like, wow, okay, we've been in the running for the AFC West over the last three years. We're not just all of a sudden terrible. They're not. They're they're still a, a competent football team. It'll show here. 
Okay, that was just not what you originally said, though, That because you just said that they're not that bad, and then you said they're not as bad as the Bears. They're not as bad as the Bears, but... They're a lot like, better than the Bears. Right, but they are still... I mean, if you're two and four, you're bad. Like, they, they, they are better than the Bears. The Bears are horrifically pathetic starting a Shepherd University quarterback. Like, they, they're, they are hor- the Bears are horrifically bad. The Chargers are just bad. That I guess that's how you would have to look at it. Um, I have some gripes with the schedule makers. Why are they doing this to us? Why? Why? I mean, we're hardworking people who just want to watch some good football on the weekend, and they're giving us, they're giving us this. This did I? I would rather watch Mountain West football. I mean, I'm being a little sarcastic because I love the NFL, but it's just th- th- this is this is gross. And I'm going to watch it. I'm going to hate watch it. And I'll take the Chargers. Is there something more fun to bet? What else could I bet? Is there like a, what's Tyson Badgins over under on yards? Like that would be fun. Bears, you know, he was... plus, Bears plus 340 on the money line. Oh, no, we can't do that. If the Bear, if If the Bears win this game, is that what would get Staley fired? Yes, 100%. Okay. 100%. Well, Badgett was 21 of 29. He threw for 162 yards and a touchdown, right? He had three for 24 on the ground. The game plan was obviously, which is ridiculous. I don't know why they can't do this for Fields. Maybe Fields is just that bad, but like everything was around the line of scrimmage. They leaned heavily into Deontay Foreman last week like they should do. Why why wouldn't they be able to do that with Justin Fields? I don't know, Um, but... You know, Tyson Badgett Wheeler, that's our guy. Blaine, that's that's your guy. That's my guy. No, that's what I'm trying to say. Is he's he's not a guy that was highly recruited out of high school. Justin Fields was this guy that was highly recruited out of high school, went to Ohio State, and then Badgett goes to Shepherd College and decides to stay, becomes an All-American, throws the most touchdown passes in NCAA history. I think it's more so like, yeah, you should be able to deal with this Justin Fields. Fuck. Badgett might be better than Justin Fields. You don't know that. No one knows that other Feed than me he, that. what he did out of Ohio State and what he did with one of the best rosters in Ohio State history. Who's to say if Badgett was Ohio State's quarterback at that time would not have done just as well? Like, you don't know until you get on these stages, and it's a true test. There's film. Chase Daniel broke down Badgett last week and what he did and way, the way they played out this offense was beautiful last week from the Bears. It was better than Fields has done for the last fuck his whole career. But I I just don't know on Sunday night if Badgett has that dog in him. I think he does, but I still think the Chargers, and my whole point is they played the Vikings to four. They beat the Raiders. They fuck, they should have beat the Cowboys, played them to three. And then they had the the Chiefs there tight. Chiefs blew it open because the Chiefs just are a lot better football team. But uh, Chargers played the Dolphins to two. Barely lost to the Titans. Like it just the Bears got blown out. You know, I just don't know. All I'm trying to say is the Chargers are a much better football team, and I'm not betting Badgett because I don't know what he's going to put out there, but I hope he's better than Fields. I really do, Johnny. I know the Chargers' defense is bad. I know Badgett, like, they're not going to want Badgett to throw them to victory, but passing yards allowed per game, Chargers dead last in the league. They give up 310 yards passing per game. Jacksonville is second worst, 273, right? So, you know, 30, 40 yards 
more uh, less. The next worst is Denver, 257. It's like 257 is 30th. The Chargers are worst at 310. They're giving up like 70 yards a game more than the second worst or third worst team in the league uh, in terms of, of passing yards per game. And listen to this stat here. This is from Chargers Muse on X. It's just a Chargers stat <laughs> account. If Even if the Chargers give up zero passing yards on Sunday versus the Bears, the Chargers would still rank last in passing yards allowed per game. Jeez. It would take seven straight games of allowing zero passing yards. Seven straight games they give up zero passing yards to become the number one passing defense. This is an absolute mess over there. Still expect the Bears to run heavily here. What's the over-under? I've got it at 46 and a half. half. Bears and the under? Bears plus 340 in the under? That'd be really fun. That would be be fun. fun. Would be. Uh, I'm doing it. Nice. Oh, what? You're betting Bears? I think I just vomited. Wow. I'm going to be sick. I like it. I I I do like it. Well, as the podcast pageant guy, I have to do it. Yeah, true. <laughs> Blaine, you were the badging guy. Now you're no, I, yeah, but the fuck, he's nine. I don't know, dude. Chargers at home on Sunday night. I don't come Blaine on. Staley. Is this is he coming back up here? Blaine Staley. I'm sorry. No, that's me. That's I'm me. a week by week better, boys. You know, late this. night on the pod, boys getting a little stir crazy. Blaine, his true colors are coming out maybe as the times get tough here. Uh-huh. Monday night football. The day before Halloween, the Las Vegas Raiders travel to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions. The Lions, bad loss last week. Bad, bad, bad. But what a gift the football gods, the scheduling people gave them here for a bounce back spot to get back on track. And I'm afraid that they're going to do that. I think that this sets them up to have a, a week where they're like, hey, we're a good team. But good teams lose weird games sometimes and just get killed. And it kind of, you know, it's it's not – I don't think the Lions are as good as the Chiefs, and they're definitely not. But it makes me think of that game where the Titans just killed us in Nashville. And it was like, what in the hell? Like, we literally just got our ass kicked. And so I'm curious to see how this Lions team responds. Great spot to do it. The Raiders are inept. I'm not going to spend much time on them. I think it's Detroit all the way, minus eight and a half. And, you know, look for them to get David Montgomery. Hopefully he's back healthy. I think they missed him a bit against the Ravens for sure. And the Lions are the Lions are good. I think the Lions are good. I really do, Johnny. I did not see that, hap- that happening at all. I think no. it, the Lions, like, didn't get a first down until, like, the – like either late in the first, I, it was a long time. Yeah, it was it it was bad. I, I uh, no, I I don't think I'm defining the Lions by that game. I I think it's almost like we were like waiting for that game to happen, and it just took a little bit longer for it to get here. Um, but 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 most of my thoughts in this game are going to be on the Raiders. There there couldn't I don't think there's a more unlikable guy in the league than Josh McDaniels. Um. I think that their quarterback situation is very bizarre. It almost seems like he doesn't like Aiden O'Connell. How how can you start Brian Hoyer? Dude, 
between him and Jimmy Garoppolo, you wouldn't find more. You wouldn't find two guys more frail at the local nursing home than those two guys. They they are a hard sneeze away from a broken collarbone. <laughs> I just can't. I I can't believe when I'm watching every time I see these. Every time Jimmy G plays, he's he's getting banged up. Like. Did you guys see how baggy Brian Hoyer's jersey was on him? There's there's no there's no beef or muscle on this guy. I I just can't I can't you can't get behind the Raiders in this spot. No way. This has got bounce back spot and written all over it to me for the Lions. You know, it is so awesome being a fan of a team that is in a division with these three other jokes of teams. It is so awesome that the Chiefs get to play against the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers all the time because these teams are just circling the drain of ineptitude all the time. I'll, I'll take the Lions here. Look, let me let me say something negative about the Lions. They're it's really a week to week up and down roller coaster with Jamison Williams. They've got to be growing frustrated with him. Real nice touch it to touchdown catch and a dominating win against Tampa, and then like just didn't do it for you last week. And he is a dynamic talent. I think, you know, maybe it could just be, there's been so much off the field stuff between injuries and the gambling thing that it's kind of in the young portion of your, your career been stuff that stunted your growth. You're he's in an offense with other weapons already an established receiver like Amon Ross St. Brown, who no matter who the defense is, is going to get what he gets a reliable receiver like Josh Reynolds, who spent a lot of time with Jared Goff throughout his career. It's like, you know, Josh Reynolds is Goff's Randall Cobb to Aaron Rodgers. It seems like just kind of follows him around wherever he goes and just shows up in the box score. It really could just be that, the 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 situation hasn't been the greatest for the growth of Jamison Williams, but I, I I will say it has to be frustrating. But having said all of that, you know I was wrong about Sam Laporta's growth so far. He's been awesome for them, and from a, a rookie tight end, uh, you don't normally see that. And so I just like the Lions in this spot a lot. Yeah, I I mean you got to go Lions here. Some weird things with the Lions though. I feel like recently there's um, just been a I don't know Marvin Jones a little bit unclear, and then uh, what was that? that he like retired, he stepped away from the team, and then they cut him. Yeah, I I don't. That's just weird. And then their backup running back, I think he something bad with his hip. He stayed in Baltimore after the game, so they don't have any depth there. Um, I guess Greg Reynolds probably still from from Hard Knocks, but that's just all all kind of sideways here. It doesn't really matter because the Raiders are that bad. But the Lions, though, I just feel like they played to a level at the start of the year so highly that it's going to be hard for them to continue to just dominate football games for the rest of the year. They finally showed some sort of color against a good football team. They just, earlier in the year, they scored at an insane percentage. They scored 75% of their touch of their scoring plays were touchdowns. So they're just like not kicking field goals. <laughs> touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And they're running it up the board. If you can bend, don't break defensively, you have a chance – but the Raiders, I don't know if they can do that. I mean, it could be closer than we imagine on a Monday night if the Raiders play up and the defense plays a little bit better. But this is a spot where Detroit should be um, pretty primed and pissed to uh, kick the shit out of the Raiders. I don't have a whole ton to say about this game. 
Let's wrap up the show with the best game of the week. 325 in Denver, Colorado. The Kansas City Chiefs travel west to take on the 2-5 and five Denver Broncos coming off a win against the Green Bay Packers. Chiefs coming off a big win against the Los Angeles Chargers. Back-to-back AFC West battles for the Chiefs. Chiefs minus 7.5. Um, guys, this is going to be... And as I said on this podcast, I said I wasn't going to do this, but this feels like a spot where the Chiefs don't cover the seven and a half. This feels like a spot where, for whatever reason, Denver makes this game close. The Chiefs win. Um, I think the over-under 46 and a half is a little low for a normal Chiefs game, especially against a Denver defense that has really been underperforming. I do think that's a key. It's which Denver defense do we get? If the Chiefs are able to dissect this Denver defense, it's going to be over because the Chiefs defense is going to suffocate the Broncos offense. That's just a fact. But just like on in the Thursday night matchup, the Broncos defense might have played the best game they've played all year, and they made things difficult for the Chiefs. And I think we're naive to think they can't do that again because I want to see – I like the trajectory this offense is going. I've loved the last six weeks. Do not get me wrong, but don't forget – This last six weeks includes some of that Jacksonville, some of that New York Jets stuff. Like, it's taken some time, and the Broncos are, for whatever reason, able to play the Chiefs kind of tight. So I think that's the biggest matchup in this game for me. It's what Broncos defense do we get? I think we're going to know early. I think we're going to know. I think this is a, a spot where the Chiefs need to come out and dominate, and this game could get over quick. Because I think that the Chiefs' defense is primed for another awesome performance. Johnny, let's start with you here. Best game of the week, Chiefs at Denver. What do you think? Uh, just to start this off, I hate the Denver Broncos. I also hate this spot. I absolutely despise this spot. Um, I really hope, and th- the reason I feel this way is I think I said this last year. There's maybe one or two times a year, if that, that my dad, who's the one who got me to be a Chiefs fan, raised me on the Chiefs. He's a diehard, uh, listens to the pod. Shout out, Dad. There, rarely he does this, and most of the time it's right. He just gets this, he gets this feeling. And he looked at me today and he was just like, I don't love this spot. And he, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, just the law of averages are eventually going to come into play. Um, now, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I just wonder if they're going to cover. It, it, it's, it, it's, and I just don't like that my dad said that. What I do like in the Chiefs' favor is that, I mean, obviously, other than they're the best team in football right now, clearly the better team, um, is that when they played this Denver team last time, they moved the ball at will. They were just horrific horrific in the red zone specifically and specifically really like in, in goal to go so the chiefs you know if they turn a couple of those possessions into touchdowns we're looking at like instead of 19 to 8 or whatever it was like this game could have been 31 to 8 yeah. you know so like and if it was if that were the case we wouldn't be feeling this way and so the chiefs are playing a really nice brand of football right now the defense is amazing offense of course showed their best game last week special teams are Absolutely locked on. I I I want to bet. I'm going to bet the Chiefs in this spot. I want the Chiefs to win. I just did not love guys that my dad said that. 
I'm surprised you both have kind of felt this way because uh, preseason pod, we went through the chief schedule and you asked me what it looked like. And I bet Denver to win one of these football games. Now I'm not going to go breaking the pod here and say Denver wins this football game, but I'm surprised that you both are leaning to the fact that it's not completely out of the realm that, you know, I figured you both would come on here and say, Denver sucks. We're going to kill them. And it makes me feel, I guess, worse about the chiefs here in the spot, but better about my inkling that I, <laughs> I kind of feel the same way guys. Like it, it's just a spot to where Denver's one in five. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they're two, two and five. Two and five, excuse me. Yeah, just barely itched by the Packers, but there's just been games where they're sticking around, and I feel like uh, getting rid of Clark and some of these guys, they just uh, at some point the top's going to come off. Hopefully it's against the Bills next week, but or two weeks from now after they're by. But, I mean, man, Chiefs have just got to convert and be more efficient as they were last week. If the Chiefs play Chiefs football as they did last week, we should blow them out. We should absolutely blow them out. But are we going to get that Chiefs team here? I don't know. The thing I have so much confidence in is Russell looked really bad against this defense uh, a couple weeks ago when we played them at home. 13 for 22, guys, for 95 yards through the air. If you don't have – fuck, if you have 150, I think the Chiefs still handle this football game. Russ can't throw two picks again. Russ can't be himself again like that. Um is this a game where Judy gets going? I've just been waiting and waiting with all the talk about Judy get going, and I was scared about it a couple weeks ago. Somebody in this Denver team is going to start making some plays, and this could be a week where the Chiefs defense gives up a little bit more than we want to, and it's closer than it is. I can see it in the lining, but I don't think the Chiefs lose the football game. There were some holes last week against the Chargers. Big playability was there. It clearly was. No Nick Bolton. Chargers ran a counter right at Drew Tranquil. Touchdown for 60 yards. Do they start game planning against Tranquil Bolton in the run game? Does, does Denver just kind of abandon Russ throwing the ball um, against this against this Chiefs defense as it was so bad a couple weeks ago? It's just a completely different Sean Payton game plan as he has to do something different because they suck so bad. That's a That's a weird factor in this football game that I'm scared about. And the Chiefs haven't played that great in mile high over the last couple of years. Now, three years ago, they won by 30. And I think the year before that, they won by like 35. But <laughs> it's just uh back and forth Denver Chiefs thing that it seems to be close. And it's been close over the last handful of years. And I, if the Chiefs blow Denver out here, I am so, so high going into Germany that I, I, I we need it. We need to go into Germany and win in this football game. And I think we will. It just feels really good to know that a our, our defense, that no matter what, I, I agree that there might be some annoying big plays from Denver for whatever stupid reason, but this defense is so good at bending and not breaking that it keeps us in games for long periods of time. And when that is the recipe, it is detrimental to the other team because the Chiefs offense is going to do something to figure it out. Their subtle plug. They're going to do something to figure out how to score. And it's not going to be easy to keep them off the board for for four quarters. And especially when your Denver offense is bad and going against a really difficult matchup in the Chiefs defense playing. Yeah, and we made Russ uncomfortable a couple weeks ago. Four sacks. And you add Omenihu, who had 
one of the better games of a defensive lineman we've seen in a couple of years for the Chiefs to the to the realm. And how do you game plan as Sean Payton against Omenihu in this new? I'm labeling it as a new Kansas City Chiefs defense. They got better, guys. So what's going to say we don't sack Russ another four, five, six times uh, here in this spot? They got to do something different. And, and Denver's going to throw everything at Kansas City. That's the only point I have on this. Is it's going to be a fuck? It may be a flea flicker, a Russ may catch a ball and throw it again. You know, it's just a weird shit. Punt. They're, they're going to do whatever they can to stay in this football game from the get-go. The Chiefs just have to be smart. Watch the Chiefs... The yeah, watch the fake. The Chiefs need to just, like we said last time, run the football. Denver yeah. is horrific against the run. The Chiefs ran for 96 yards against them, which felt like a lot, but they didn't run it. Like when they really should have in those yeah. those red zone scenarios, like Great point. run the football. The Packers should have won that game last week, guys. They yeah. ha- they they took the lead late, and they ran for 137 yards on this Denver defense, 4.7 yards per carry. Jordan Love just fucking blows. He just fucking blows. Denver only scored 19 points. So like I I I I, I, I see. I, I fucking cannot. Denver stinks. They suck. Russ yeah. is terrible. But I just don't like the spot for the yeah. Chiefs. That's what's weird. And uh, I do think they don't play that that well in Mile High. You mentioned those two times they were up twenty seven nothing last year yeah. at Mile High, but then True. let Denver come back. Mahomes had three picks, right? Um, I, I just don't. The spot is so weird, and then factor in the law of averages like my dad said like they've beaten denver 16 straight times is that right like that is absolutely absurd and then you know i would hope that this is the chiefs plan but you know with them playing on sunday i would hope the chiefs just like on monday or tuesday get the hell over to germany right i hope they don't do the thursday or friday thing um and then my camera's messing up again sorry but yeah uh Run the football. Yeah. I I love the run the football aspect because I think really it's if it's going to, if Denver does throw everything at you, you want to limit possessions as much as you can. And that's how you do it. Run the football. And yes, Pat looked better uh, last week, but the Chargers were that bad in the secondary. So I, I, I love the aspect of continuing to get Pacheco going. He's looked great, guys. He really has. Well, great, great point to bring up there because, Johnny, you mentioned we had 96 rushing yards against the Broncos. Probably could have had a couple more if we didn't have Kadarius Tony running a read option into three Denver Broncos <laughs> for a loss of three on third down and short. See, but like it, with it being a short week when they played them last time, they probably were just like, oh, let's try some shit out. It's Denver. They didn't. I don't know. I, I probably said this too. Like, I have a hard time that like teams actually like save their best stuff. I don't know how, how much that is like actually true. I don't know if you guys saw this too. I wanted to bring this quick point up. It's when Blaine mentioned Jerry Judy maybe breaking out. And of course, he was he had like three for 14 against the Chiefs after like that whole Steve Smith scenario. I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Chiefs are the current. This was today. This can't this tweet came out. They're the current betting favorite to be the next destination for Judy at the deadline. Four to one. I love the it. Chief, 
the so what the Chiefs win this game and then just like hey just get on the plane with us we're going to Germany yeah Broncos are sellers if the Broncos lose this game and if we kill them they're selling hard hard yeah. it's over yeah. NFL weeks week eight in the books anybody got any final comments concerns questions that they want to throw out there for the people awesome show grind of a show that's got to be our longest show of the season with no buys right in the middle of the season. We're kind of getting into the dog days of the season, guys. We're getting into some heavy weeks here. It's going to be awesome, but before we know, we'll be at the end. But we'll have it all for you back Monday with the recap show. Went next Wednesday with NFL Week 9. It's going to be awesome. Johnny and Blaine, thank you for joining us as always. Go Chiefs, and we'll talk to you later. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.